Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe this is going to be the final episode of 2023. Absolutely crazy. We started this on July 1st of the year, and as we are now recording this on December 28th, we are on episode 53. Absolutely incredible. A round of applause to everyone who has supported me all my listeners and even you know what it's not sometimes it's not too bad to hype up yourself so I'm happy that I was able to do this really push myself to record and just keep uploading and going through with this um I'm gonna have to kind of decide where to uh bring this next year I kind of want to level it up so I don't know when we're gonna check in next with episode 54 it'll probably be next week probably towards like the end of the week just to kind of go over some things but I'm gonna try and start maybe filming myself maybe try and add I was gonna do it like um you know like on some YouTube and Spotify's and even Apple Podcasts. I don't know if it's on a podcast but it gives like a bar at the bottom where it tells you like what segment you're listening to I think I'm gonna start doing that like editing that into every episode I do so just try and level this up maybe we'll start posting more on TikTok, on Facebook. We'll see. We'll see. We're all trying to level up and uh, keep it going. But yes, we're uh, this is the post-Christmas episode. Very fun. Of course, my episode with my cousin Ryan, the longest one to date, three hours and 40 minutes. It's absolutely crazy. Um, RSS podcasting would not let me upload it due to it being too many gigabytes. When I tried to um, cut it down. It kept, I kept doing it wrong or something and I could not upload it. So the episode is only available on YouTube, which took me so long to even just get it into audio form. It's only a black screen too, but I was able to put a cover photo of us, which I post on the Instagram. So if you guys want to listen to that, it's three hours and 40 minutes, longest podcast to date. And it was a fun one. We talked about so much NFL. I did my end of the year UFC rank, uh, awards, UFC awards. We, uh, list our top 10 Christmas movies. I have them do a blind rank of fast food i mean it was such a blast but i do now know for the future that i will never go over i believe three hours and 20 minutes or three hours and 30 minutes so that's how that's how long it is but i've only ever gone over three hours twice and it's actually been on episodes 50 and 52 so we'll try and keep this one not as long but we'll see uh how it goes um of course i'm gonna be doing a little christmas recap um, we're going to be giving our week 17 FL predictions, talking a bit about the playoffs, about how, uh, our Christmas day games went. They were pretty hectic. Um, we're going to be doing a little NBA check in some other stuff. And the big one to end out the episode, your surprise is we'll be ranking every single UFC fight night event of the year. That is right. We're not doing pay-per-views. We're doing events and I should actually write it down right now. So I remember that for, uh, episode 54, We'll be ranking every uh, UFC pay-per-view of uh, UFC, uh, ranking every UFC pay-per-view of 2023, so that's going to be a fun one. Rank every pay-per-view in 2023. Yeah, I did that. There's 14 pay-per-views, but there were 29 fight nights. Pretty hectic. Um, It was a struggle to uh, go through with it, but it was kind of fun looking back on them all. We'll get to that later in the episode. I don't really have any new UFC news for you guys. No new fights, no new locations. It was pretty civil, pretty civil in the MMA UFC world uh, just over the weekend. Let me see if I can find anything that occurred for you. I mean, they recently released a picture of Sean Strickland preparing for his fight with Driscus 2 plus C. And let me just say, Sean is looking jacked, man. He's been putting in the work. I don't know if he's been juiced, if he's been on a little bulk, but he's been putting in the effort. And man, he really does not like Driscus 2 plus C. 
he really does not at all. It is uh it is pretty fascinating seeing all that um just animosity around that fight, just seemingly out of nowhere. So it'll be interesting to see how that fight goes down. In the boxing world, Gervonta Davis, one of the best rising, or not rising, up-and-coming boxers, one of the top ones of the age, um, trying to pull a little Sonny, uh, was it was it Sonny List? I don't think his name was Sayless, but whoever Muhammad Ali's original, or no, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I think, or was it Muhammad Ali? I think it was Muhammad Ali. Whoever, it was either Muhammad Ali or Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar, who originally had another name and changed it, but he has changed his name to Abdul-Wahid. Don't know why Javante Davis was a pretty cool name. So, yeah, pretty pretty awkward stuff there. Don't really know what to do with that information. I personally wouldn't change my name to that, but then again, you know, there's always, there's always reasons, always reasons. For it, um, and also Bo Nickel um, gave his thoughts on Leon Edwards, current welterweight champion's potential opponents coming into the uh, new year, and obviously the big ones Hamzat for potential double title stance, and maybe even Islam moving up. And you know, he's basically Bo Nickel's thoughts were Hamzat Chimaev's wrestling would give Leon Edwards problems, problems, but Leon Edwards striking would give Islam Makachev some problems. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Bo Nickel fight Cody Brundage at UFC 300. That's going to be a fun one. Love watching Bo Nickel, the former Penn State wrestler, compete. He's always he's always such a fun guy to uh, to watch. Go after it. I'm in the movie realm of things. I know it's not Monday. It's actually Thursday. But on in my movie realm of things, my most recently watched movie was I watched it with my girlfriend last night. Um, it's How to Be Single. Stars um, Rebel Wilson. Of course, Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect. It stars the main girl from the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. It stars the one guy that's... Uh, he stars the one guy in Workaholics that's not the guy with long hair and not... Um, Oh, the guy from Pitch Perfect. No, the other guy. I cannot remember his actor's name. But um, is it Andy or something? I don't know. But it stars uh, the other guy. He's pretty good in it. It stars um, the girl from Community who's obsessed with Jeff, the brown-haired one. Not the blonde, the brown-haired one. Stars her. Um, who else is Who else is there? There's a number of people. Stars Coach from New Girl, if anyone knows that. So there's a lot of people in this movie. Actually, it also stars... Oh my gosh, this guy's in almost every movie. He's one of the main voices on Big Mouth, that Ant-Man show. He was in How to Be Cops. He was the one, like, crackhead or whatever. Gosh, I'll never remember. But yeah, there was a lot of people in it. And it was basically these people navigating the ways of being single, trying to find love. And I thought it was pretty funny. It had some weird messages in it. It took some weird turns, but... um. It was a good movie to watch when you don't really want to watch a masterpiece of a movie. Other than that, not too much. I rewatched Elf again on Christmas with my family. But um, yeah, actually, that's a good segue into Christmas. Christmas was amazing. Had such a fun time down in Chicago. I'm arrived Saturday. Car ride went by quick, both down and back. Quick six and a half, six hours. Flies by, got Culver's both there and back, which I rock with Culver's. I think Culver's is one of my favorite fast food places. Um, we arrived, saw the fam, uh, then we went out to this place called Chaos, Chaos something, Chaos Brewing or something, and basically, you know, it's just like a restaurant, bar and stuff, but they have old school arcade games, um, they like racing games, you know, like the, the kind you see in an arcade or whatever, um, they had a basket, the basketball game, you know, the balls fall down, you just kind of got speed shoot them, they had this old, like, WWE game, they had Guitar Hero, and it was so fun, I enjoyed being there, of course, running up them Captain Cokes, you know how I be, um, it was, it was a fun it was a fun, fun time. It's just seeing seeing the family doing all that. Uh, came back 
and I passed out. I was so tired. Then I woke up, and me and my cousin watched The Meg 2. That's another movie we watched, and The Meg 2 was absolutely terrible. The only good thing about it was Jason Statham and the one black guy. What's his name? DJ. DJ, I think, in it. Oh, my gosh. He was so funny. Whoever that actor is, absolutely love that guy. I can't even think of another movie as in. All I can think of is the Meg movies. But, um, yeah, I hope they don't make a Meg 3. It was it was a disaster. CGI, just mess. All, all plots were just thrown out. All logic was thrown out. But I guess, you know, it is a movie about a giant shark that tries to kill people. What are you going to do? Um, Saturday, woke up, had a big breakfast, delicious breakfast. My uncle Gary is an amazing cook. Um, then went to see my grandma and grandpa, watched the Vikings lose to the Lions, which was heartbreaking. Um, they're a bit older, so, you know, it's always nice to see them, though. Uh, just talk to them, say hi to them. Uh, not much to do with their house, but, you know, uh, it's all about, it's all about just spending quality time, we'll say. Then we went to my dad's cousins, so my, uh, grandma's, my grandma, so these are my dad's parents, my grandma's aunt's kids, yeah, her sister's kids, uh, they're all grown up now, but, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad this year. Usually sometimes I might feel like a little third bit of a third wheel because, you know, it's not really our family's Christmas Eve, but uh, it's kind of theirs. But it was good to see everyone. I had some drinks. I watched the Bears beat the Cardinals, gosh darn. And then I had to watch bits and pieces of the Patriots and Broncos game, which was not terrible, but nothing nothing too exhilarating. Came back, hung out with Ryan and Kevin. Um, I'm trying to think, what did we do? Christmas Eve night. I'm trying to... um trying to think did we watch a game we record the podcast yeah me and ryan record our podcast we took up the whole night then christmas day woke up got presents i mean i actually got a lego i got a lego yellow bugatti okay how about that andrew tate i got a bugatti you like that it's actually gonna be fun i'd even ask for a lego my mom just thought it'd be funny to give me one which i absolutely love I also got the 48 Laws of Power book. I wanted that book. I haven't seen clips of it on TikTok. I've seen just stuff about that book. It's a good book. I'll be interested to read it. Um, what else did I get on Christmas? I got a Young LA gym bag, which is very nice. Got a new Proper 12 Irish whiskey shirt. Very much love that. Bunch of gift cards. Um, yeah, fun stuff all around. Um, then after that... Uh, had a bit of breakfast, kind of went downstairs, tried to upload the podcast. That took up all morning. Then football came on. You know, I think we had Chiefs and Raiders um, was the first game. Yes, it was. Raiders upset the Chiefs. That was wild. Um, that was a crazy game. Raiders defense was the only good thing about that. Um, then after that, uh, my other co- cousins came over, Parker and Ryan, not Parker, Parker and Morgan, and then their parents, my Chrissy and Uncle Dan, um, I think no, the, the the Eagles and Giants game wasn't on quite yet. We uh played this fun um what game did we play? Oh, my grandpa gave us our gifts. My grandpa, a big real estate guy, former cop in Chicago, uh, gave us all one hundred thirteen dollars and sixty four cents to us, his six grandkids. Um, that's the check he gets, or he gets what seven hundred or something dollars from. He used to live on a farm. Super cool guy, Grandpa Tom Saylor. Check him out on his uh, real estate. Uh, was it? Exit Real Estate in uh, Illinois. Some, somewhere in Illinois. Dad, Delano? I'm, I'm terrible with the places in Illinois compared to Minnesota. But, um, yeah, he splits that up. The money he gets from a farm. He used to live on a farm when he was younger. Family farm. He still gets money from it because he's, he's in the name. He's in the will or whatever it is of the farm. And that was pretty fun. And then he gave us all $100 because he is just such an amazing human being. Love that man to death. I wish him nothing but the best. 
in life rest in peace to my grandma his wife uh, we lost her eight years ago so uh, it's always i always think about her around the christmas time because it was always she always loved christmas always loved seeing her over christmas and it's just one of those things that happens you know sometimes the holiday reminds you of someone which is, i i think it's special i think it's very special um after that we then played um Oh my gosh. Trivia. And my Aunt Chrissy bought like over $100 worth of Timu. That's right. The Chinese like Amazon Timu gifts. There was so much plastic junk. But I actually rocked with uh, some of the gifts. I got, I got like a orange juice glass set. It was pretty funny. I got a back scratcher. I got, I, I won a mug. I mean, I won, I won the most random thing. I actually won some Darth Vader socks and some Brian from Family Guy socks. So I'll probably be rocking those at some point. But I'm after that. Uh, watch the Eagles. Give it to the Giants. They even benched Tommy DeVito in that game. Had an amazing steak. I don't, I don't even know if it was steak or what it was, but it was delicious. I was on buns. It was oh my gosh, an amazing dinner. Um, then we played this uh, one game where they have like uh, you set up like uh, we set up candy and you put like marker like a uh, tape on different lines and you roll like a can and whatever like one you land in between. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you get that. That was pretty fun. And then our big game we did was we, uh, everyone, there was 13 of us. So there was 13 gift cards and we all shot ping pong. It was like beer pong and you shot the pong ball, whatever cup you landed in, you got that gift card in the cup. And I was like, let me all, let me show you all how a college student does this. And by the way, I am not the best pong player. I walk up and first time sink it in the very back, uh, middle cup. And it was, it was pretty hype. Everyone's going, oh, and I was like, yeah, I can never do that in a real beer pong setting at college if I ever tried to, but it was, it was pretty fun there. Um, yes, then pretty much chilled, caught some of the, uh, what was the night game? Oh my gosh, what was the night game on freaking Christmas Day? It was all the Ravens and the 49ers. Watch the Ravens destroy the 49ers. Brock Purdy having a terrible, terrible performance. Sam Darnold came in for him. Uh, pretty much, we actually, me, me, Ryan, Kevin, and Parker, we all played a little beer pong. Not with actual beer, but we just played pong in the basement. It was just such a good time. And then me and Ryan, we tried to do a rebuild on Madden 22 with a fantasy draft team, and it went horribly wrong. I think we, we made the playoffs, but we did not make it very far. It was a disaster, but it was such a good time, such a good trip. Came back home, and I've just been doing my thing here. And now I'm, uh, now it's, uh, actually tomorrow's my roommates, my buddy, my Steelers fan, Seth, his 21st, so I'll be going out with him, his cousin, hopefully his brother, maybe some of our other friends, should be, uh, should be a fun time, should be a fun time, a Christmas 23, one to remember, I absolutely, absolutely enjoyed it, it was actually just, just such good vibes, there wasn't really any bad any really bad times on uh, on Christmas at all. Um, entering the NBA world, as of course we got to do our little NBA check-in, we're not going to do an NHL check-in on this episode just because I'm going to let the NHL simmer for a bit. So when I check in next week sometime, a lot will have changed. And by the way, it's probably going to be a week between episodes. This is like a, uh, uh, what is it, a warning? What am I trying to say? So next weekend, big NFL one and our final UFC rankings of the of the year for 2023. Yeah, and then we got 2024 ahead of us. I should do some 2024 predictions. Shoot, I should really do that. Let me let me actually add that in now. Do 2024 UFC predictions because I got to make sure that I do that. If I'm doing recaps, I should do some predictions. In NBA land, Celtics still the number one team in the NBA, number team in the Eastern Conference, which we'll look at first, Eastern Conference. 23-6 and on a three-game win streak, a perfect 14-0 and at home still. I mean, this Celtics team just continues to do 
what they do best, and that is win. You just all, all respect to them. And number two is the Milwaukee Bucks, 23-8. and Damon Giannis doing their thing. Uh, One-game win streak, 8-2, and two, though, for the last 10. 76ers in the third, 21-9, coming off a win. They've been, uh, how have they been? Not 12-4 and four at home, not too bad. Uh, 16 and 7 in the conference, and there's a there's a good team. Heat at the number four spot, 18 and 12 record, seven and zero in their division. Little three game win streak. Magic at the fifth spot, Cavs at the sixth. Um, Knicks, Pacers, Nets, and Bulls all in the middle. But the talk of the NBA, I mean, Hornets eight game losing streak. They're in 13th at 7:21, but that's not the talk. The talk is the Detroit. Pistons, who are 2-28 and and set the record their last time out by losing their 27th game in a row. Previous record was 26, held by a couple teams. I think it was held by 76ers, or the Bobcats, one of them. And uh, the Pistons beat it. The Pistons freaking beat it. 27-game losing streak. I think either tonight or tomorrow. I think it might be tonight. They will look to lose their 27th, or their 28th game. So uh, history could potentially be made. Absolutely, absolutely insane that the Pistons started out 2-1 and one and have proceeded to lose 27 games since then. That is a weird thought. Checking out the Western Conference, Timberwolves, still the best team in the Western Conference, 22-7 and record. They did lose to the Thunder, who are the number two seed at 20-9, and so uh, we don't really like that. We don't like that at all, but man, they still continue to do their thing. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, absolute studs. Number three seed, the Nuggets, 22-10 and 10 in the West. Uh, Five-game win streak for them. Been doing pretty freaking good, I won't lie. 12-2 and two at home. Can't really beat that. Clippers finally finding their footing, our fourth seed, 18-12 and 12 record, coming off of a win. Kings and Mavericks at the fifth and the sixth. They both lost their uh, last game out. Pelicans, Rockets, Lakers, Suns, all kind of in the middle. And your bottom, bottom five teams, the Warriors are 15-15. and 15. Um, Actually had a good game against, who, who did they play? They played some. They played the Nuggets. They had an absolute heater of a game against the Nuggets on Christmas Day. That was a pretty fun game. But on bottom of the pack, worst team in the West, the Spurs. Five-game losing streak, 1-9 their last 10 are 4-25. and The only reason the Spurs aren't the worst team is because the Pistons exist. We got a long way to go, though, in the NBA season. So maybe we'll give it a bit of a rest, checking in every single week. But um, I did see that the Wild are actually playing today. And uh, how about how about uh, Connor Bedard's uh, Michigan goal? What was that on Christmas? Not Christmas Eve, but the day before that. Absolutely. Actually, my bet on Christmas Eve. I don't know, but it was absolutely incredible. Wrapped the puck around from the back and stuck it in the top. I absolutely love that. Connor Bedard, future, future star in the NHL. He could potentially be the greatest player of all time. He's still got a long way to go, but uh, he's young. He's young. He's actually my cousin's age. He's 18. He's 18. Absolutely. What a stud. Just what a stud. Good for the Blackhawks. Blackhawks have been struggling for a while now. To round out our little, uh, I don't even know what this is, an intro, just talking about random, it basically is the intro, basically it is the intro before I get into the main subject of what we talk about. Um, ESPN released their 2023 Professional Wrestling Awards, former big professional wrestling fan, I occasionally check in, and I find it always interesting to see who uh, who's doing good in uh, WWE and just the wrestling world in general, so... 
the men's wrestler of the year was Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes has been an absolute stud in the WWE uh, since coming over from last year. Uh, absolutely love watching him perform. He's completely turned his career around. I mean, you go back to 20. 12, 2011, and 2010, 29, 2009, and you just look at how uh, how he was back then to how he is now. Dude has completely turned his career around. He is an absolute stud. Women's Wrestler of the Year, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, I know she's been a big deal in uh, the women's realm for a while now. Good for her. Um, tag team is FTR. They wrestle in AEW. They had a brief stint in the WWE for a while. They were kind of buried, though, in the WWE, but they're studs in the, a in the AEW, which is a rival wrestling promotion. Debut slash return of the year goes to CM Punk, his return to WWE, one of the biggest crowd pops of all time. Um, so excited to see him compete soon. CM Punk, absolutely missed that guy, and he'll probably be main eventing one of the WrestleManias. Gotta love CM Punk. Breakthrough Fighter of the Year, L.A. Knight. Yeah, he's become an absolute stud in the WWE. He's kind of just a mid-level fighter last year, but his work on the mic, connecting with the fans, it boosts him to getting a main eventing. I believe it was Crown Jewel against Roman Reigns. Gotta love L.A. Knight. Big things that come for him in 2024. Promo Artist of the Year goes to MJF in AEW. I mean, this guy's an absolute stud. He knows the business. He's great at it. I just all respect, all respect to MJF. F. Um, I wish he would come to the WWE, but I don't know if his vulgarity, because he cusses a lot, he says a lot of bad things, he messes with fans, which is just, it, it's all off script too, by the way. I mean, I don't know if that would fly in the WWE, but he's a star in AEW. I say you continue to rule your promotion, and then, because right now is not a good time for MJF to come over. You got CM Punk, you got Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns. I mean, you got to wait till there's a big spot to fill for him to slide in. Um, what is this? The match of the year was uh, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, and it was a tie for their first and second bouts. Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, both big in the Japanese scene, AEW, Ring of Honor. Um, those two guys are absolute studs. Kenny Omega, kind of getting older, but Will Ospreay, one of the young up-and-comers. Love to see those guys in the WWE someday. They are both super talented, super athletic. Super athletic, but um, they can also be up to love. I remember I watched Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho highlights of a match they did in Japan. Absolute studs. Pay-per-view of the year, WrestleMania 39. I mean, WrestleMania is I don't think people understand how big WrestleMania is, especially this upcoming one, which could be WrestleMania 40. And they do two nights now. They do a Saturday and a Sunday event. I don't think they understand how big it is. It's bigger than any professional sporting events. Um, it, it gets more views than any. It gets more views than the Super Bowl, if you want to know that, because it's worldwide global impact. And I think the only thing that might be bigger than WrestleMania, and I'm not even kidding with you, could potentially be the World Cup. And they would have to analyze like championship games to just all the games in general or even the uh, Olympics. And I'm talking just views in general. WrestleMania is just so big. I don't think I think people underestimate just the global scale of uh, professional wrestling has on the world, which is absolutely amazing. And storyline of the year was the final award. And it went to the bloodline. Of course, Roman Reigns, uh, the Usos, you had Kenny Omega getting in the mix. So many guys. Um, Roman Reigns is the hottest thing in wrestling right now. That's crazy. It was back in uh, 2014. Actually, not 2014. It was 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. Though that, that stretch, they tried to make Roman Reigns a hero, and it just the push was terrible. They could not get him. Then they tried to make him a villain. Didn't really um, 
work out too well. And then these last few years, he's just come in and just been the top guy. And it's absolutely amazing to see. He's been an absolute stud. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best. I honestly wish Roman Reigns nothing but the best. His reign is probably coming to an end at WrestleMania 40. But um, we'll have to see what happens. Fun stuff in uh, all sorts of the world. Fun stuff in Christmas. Fun stuff in WWE, professional wrestling, NBA, the movie world. Just everything is just so fun. Everything's so fun. Life is fun. How about that? What a bold statement to have. Let's get into um one of our two big things. I have no idea how long it's going to take to rank every UFC fight night event because I'm going to have to break down 29 events. Um, so let's uh, let's do our Week 17 NFL predictions. Of course, the Christmas games we didn't really cover on the last episode because we couldn't. But yeah, if you didn't know, Raiders upset the Chiefs. Giants um, got handled by the Eagles. And the 49ers got blown out. Not really blown out, but they were kind of blown out by the Ravens. They, they, it wasn't really a score blowout, but it was kind of just like watching the game. You just saw that the Ravens were just a better team. I, I needed some more points from Gus Edwards, but I made the championship in two of my leagues. Um, Actually, this Sunday, this Sunday, I will know for sure if I win one of my leagues, and then I'll know next Sunday if I win another one of my leagues. And the other one that I'll find out in Week 18 is for $200. So we'll be really hoping we win that. We'll talk about all my fantasy teams. And actually, actually, once, uh, once the season's over, I'll do an end-of-year fantasy review. End-of-year fantasy. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to trying to write this all down. I like how I take notes live on the podcast. Um, sorry, sorry if you, you think this is a professional enough because it's not really professional. I, I try sometimes. I try sometimes to be professional, but at the same time, being authentic is what's best. Let's get into it as we got some fun matchups this week. We kick off. We kick off our uh, slate of course, with uh, the Jets and the Browns going down on uh, tonight. Tonight, actually. I, was, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, the game goes down tonight. Jets will be visiting the Browns. Um, man, good must win for the Browns here as they look to clinch a playoff spot with a win, I believe. I believe I believe that is uh, what's going to be going down. Browns are currently second in the AFC North. Three-game win streak for the Browns coming off of a good one last weekend. Amari Cooper put up 51 fantasy points as the Browns um, beat the beat the Texans. I honestly I thought the Texans were better than they are, but hey, that's just that's just the sports, I guess. Um, yeah, Joe Flacco's been an absolute stud. Uh, Jerome Ford also having a nice, nice little performance. But yeah, Mari Cooper's been absolute stud. Um, Jets six and nine did pick up a win last week. We're able to get a win over the Commanders. Not to anyone's surprise. They actually have a positive. Oh wait, they don't have a positive point differential now. Um, only two hundred thirty-one points for. Um, one of the one of the worst offenses in the league, but not actually the worst. So I mean, you gotta find some positives, I suppose. Um, but yeah, six and nine, gonna miss the playoffs. Yeah, there's no way they can. Yeah, they cannot make the playoffs. Um, at least I don't think they might not be actually fully eliminated. Um, if the, they would need the Texans, Colts. Yeah, they would eliminate. I don't know what I'm saying. Jets actually are starting Trevor Simeon, so there's no hype for this game. Probably going to be a boring game to watch anyways, but um, you know what? I'm picking the Browns in this one. I think their defense is just better. I think the offense will do better. Um, just if, I mean, if you're beating the Texans, you should 
probably beat the Jets. But I do think the Jets' secondary will give some issues to the wide receivers, so you could be seeing some more leaning on Jerome Ford or uh, who's Kareem Hunt, Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt. I can't believe Jerome Ford has kind of become a stud this year. Very Kudos to him, man. Kudos to Jerome Ford. Yeah, we'll lock in that Browns pick right now. I should actually send that to my picks league now that I think about it. And then to Saturday, we actually do get a Saturday game. Uh, what is it? December 30th, because Christmas Eve is all of our games, which is absolutely exhilarating, including the final game of Sunday, is the Vikings. But um, Sunday, no, not Sunday. I just, I just said what game was on that we were going to have a Saturday game, and I went Sunday. Wow, I got I to gotta really assess how I speak sometimes. I do think, I do uh, speak before I think. It's a bad habit. Since I was young, but Saturday, we do get a night game at 7 o'clock, 7.15 as the Lions will visit the Cowboys. Um, you can already jot this down as my pick is the Cowboys. I am upset the Lions lost. I really am. I actually am. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm pissed about that. I'm absolutely pissed that the Vikings lost that game. We performed so well. We gave it our all. We had spirit. We had hope. We had all the Christmas joy, and we freaking lost. It was very sad, but uh, my main reason that I'm rocking with the Cowboys is that no matter how win-lose, win-lose the Cowboys and Lions are, the Cowboys are undefeated at home, and I do not think the Lions are going to snap that streak. Cowboys, a perfect 7-0 and at home. They are on a two-game losing streak, though. They are on a two-game losing streak, though. Um, that has been certainly something that um, I, I will say is a bit surprising. Uh, but the, way, the weird thing is I predicted them to lose the last two weeks. I, I knew they would lose to the Dolphins. I knew they would lose to the Bills. Um, but I do think that they'll beat the Lions. Talk about a tough stretch. They've been playing some tough, tough teams. But, I mean, Dak Prescott, top five QB, got to be in the MVP conversation. Or maybe just because of how good Le- the Ravens have been, Lamar's probably in the front. But um, Dak's got to be in the conversation. C.D. Lamb, a top five, top three wide receiver on the year. Absolutely amazing stuff from him. I've loved what I've seen. Um, and just the defense. Excellent defense for the Cowboys. 10-5 and five record with um, 451 points for. Do they have the best offense in the league? No, second best offense in the league. And 286 points allowed? One of the best defenses in the league, too. As for the Lions, best team in the NFC North, they've clinched the NFC North. Um, 11 and 4 record, 5 and 2 at home, 6 and 2 away. They've been even everywhere they go. 412 points for, so they are in the 400 club. They have allowed 355 points. Um, but I will say the defense didn't look too hot against the Vikings. It was just Nick Mullins making four uh, terrible errors with his um, picks. One wasn't really his fault, one got like tipped. But um, other than that, Lions defense, decent as they are, two game win streak for them. But um, I just think that. The Cowboys at home this year are a different breed, so we'll take Cowboys over the Lions. Kicking off our Sunday slate, we get some 12 o'clock games. Actually, let me just double-check how many 12 o'clock games we have. Um, Up until the Steelers and Seahawks are 12 o'clock games. Okay. So, kicking off our noon slate, that is, the Patriots will be visiting the Bills. This is actually a rematch, if no one is aware. Um, Earlier in the season, what week was that? Week, um, October 22nd. I don't know what week that was. That was, um, Simon, tell me the week. Okay, but the Patriots beat the Bills at home 29-25 to in a stunning upset. Um, Mac Jones balled out in that game. The defense came up big. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this time. I don't think it's going to happen this time. The Patriots are just, they're not good. They did win. 
I will say pull off a win over the Broncos, but that's the Broncos, right? You're four and eleven. They're one and seven at home, three and four on the road. So I guess that does benefit the Patriots. That's actually fine. Their one win at home is over the Bills. Um but yeah, there's just no studs on this team. Ron J. Stevenson's out for the year. So any Ezekiel Elliott fancy owners, like this is a blessing for you. But um yeah, this should be a win for the Bills. Bills are nine and six, three game win streak, six and two at home. Uh, 403 points for they're in the 400 club and 276 points allowed they're yet to give up 300 that tells me they're a pretty good team overall I don't know it'll be interesting to see how Josh Allen performs maybe Stefan Diggs will have a good game uh James Cook has actually been doing very well but um yeah we'll ride with the Bills in this one keeping us moving along our second game of Sunday will be the Falcons visiting the Bears and this is crazy as I'm not really a huge Bears fan, but I'm actually, I picked them. I picked them last week. It's paid off, and Bears are still alive in the play- playoff race. I have no idea how. I have no idea how, but somehow the Bears are still alive. Six and nine record, bottom of the NFC North. Um, 314 points for 345 points against. They have fixed their ratio. It was worse before to only minus 31 point differential. Better at home, four and three at home, two and six on the road, but a big win over the Cardinals. Big win over the Cardinals for the momentum boost. Um, it won't be easy playing this Falcons team. Falcons are second in the AFC South, coming off of a win. Um, but the Falcons have been two and one, two and five on the road. Um, it's been kind of shaking the NFC South and the Bears, but you know what? I'm gonna ride at the Bears. You know, Justin Fields been doing decent. DJ Moore, if he plays, will be good. Um, Cole Komet's an absolute stud, and even you know Khalil Herbert or Rashawn Johnson can get hot and. Tear up the backfield. Um, and the Falcons, you know what? Got the win. I, don't know, I cannot believe the Falcons blew out. Who Didn't they play the Saints? Was it the, No, it wasn't the Saints. Who, the, the, the Colts. They played the Colts. Who They beat them 29-10. to I was absolutely shocked by that. 7-8, um, and eight, of course. Minus one point differential. So that's, talk about an even team. Uh, 288 points allowed. 287 points for. I mean, pretty good defense. Not going to lie. It's pretty good defense. Offense has been shaky all season. I'll say usually when they lean on Bijan Robinson, they do well. But when they try and split between him and Algier, it's not too hot. And I do play Drake London in fantasy. So I will be rooting for uh, the Bears in this one. Bears defense. I actually think I might play you in a league. We'll review my fantasy teams before we are done. Um, next game up, the Raiders visit the Colts. This is a tough one. Let me just tell you, this is a super tough one because Raiders have been hot. Raiders have been very hot right now. They're still alive in the playoffs. They're 7-8, and eight, little two-game win streak in the AFC West. Um, only a minus uh, nine-point differential right now. They have very much fixed that. Um, two and five on the road is not too sh- not too good, not too good. I mean, this defense has just been absolute st- an absolute stud. They destroyed the Chiefs, got two defensive touchdowns. Aiden O'Connell hasn't been playing terrible, you know, but he's still Aiden O'Connell. Um, Zahir White has been doing great uh, with Josh Jacobs out. I will say that Devontae Adams has not been doing very well. Um, Jacoby Myers been getting a couple more catches. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Very interesting to see how they perform. The Colts, by the way, I've been talking about a team that's up and down are currently in the playoffs. So your eight and seven Colts who are second in the AFC South tied three-way tie for top of the AFC South record wise at the moment. Um, with a minus, I think it is 18 point differential. I the coming off of a tough loss to the Falcons. I, they're three and four at home. It's gonna be a Interesting. This could be a very interesting matchup. Raiders don't do well on the road. Colts haven't proven to be better for worse at home. 
But I just think of just how win-loss, win-loss a lot of these teams have been that I'm just going to go with the Colts. And by the way, who's been playing better? The Raiders have been playing better. But just for sheer, I'm just going to do it to do it. I'm going to pick the Colts to win this game and to stay in the playoffs. Now, if they lose this game, I mean, that really complicates things, especially depending how the Jaguars and Texans play because that division's still up for grabs in the AFC South. The AFC West is oddly still up for grabs. So this is a must-win for the Raiders, must-win for the Colts. That makes for some great TV, but we'll pick Colts for now. I'll, I'll post something if I change anything. Rams will visit the Giants in another uh, matchup. It's been pretty conference-wise so far up until this point, according to matchups. But um, the Rams, 8-7, and seven, are in the playoffs. I think they're the sixth seed right now in the NFC. Man, you know what? Their offense has just kind of brought back this team. They're on a two-game win streak, plus 25-point differential, 5-3 and three at home, 3-4 and four on the road. I mean, Cooper Cup's been a stud. Pukunakua has been a stud. Karen Williams has been a stud. And Matt Stafford has been playing half too half bad a ball. I've been liking what I've been seeing from him. Pretty good. Actually, he hasn't been putting up awful fantasy numbers. You know, he's been a very average fantasy QB. But um, just I like to see it from Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is one of the good guys. He's a good family man. Um, his wife battling cancer, you know, Matt Stafford, always going to root for that guy. Checking in with their opponents, the Giants. Oh boy, where do we begin with the Giants? Five and ten, two game losing streak. They bench Tommy DeVito, Brown, and Tyrod Taylor. Giants are three and three at home, you know, better than their away record, which is two and seven. But I mean, this offense has put up 214 points, second worst offense in the league, giving up 371 points. Oof. My goodness, so what is that? A 57, negative, minus 57 point differential. Yeah, give me the Rams. Uh, they've been cooking. Giants have been failing. Um, but this, this is, could be one of those scenarios where a uh, West Coast team visits an East Coast team. Maybe the weather messes them up. I don't know, but um, I like the Giants better in prime time, like on a Monday or Thursday, than I do on a casual Sunday game. Very big one in the NFC South as the Saints will visit the Buccaneers. And oh man, these two teams played. How long ago was it? I mean, I always forget when the divisional teams usually play each other. It was early. It was early, yes. It was actually my birthday. How about that? Buccaneers won 26-9 in New Orleans. So that's that's pretty notable. Um, but it just looks like teams have been splitting all year. That's That's just how it's appeared to me. Um, as I don't really know what to what to really say about this one, these both teams have been pretty loose to some teams, beat other teams. But the Buccaneers are hot, four game win streak now up to plus twenty four point differential. Um, but it's it's just tough to say. It's tough to say how they're gonna do. I just feel like the Bucks are a better team. Uh, Saints seven and eight coming off of a loss. Um, of course that loss was to the Rams on Thursday Night Football. Um. Saints have been three and five on the road. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I have the Buccaneers right now. Something tells me Saints. Something's really telling me Saints. I don't know why. I feel like I should trust that saying I should go with the Saints. I mean, Saints have a plus thirty-four point differential. Um, Buccaneers have won some close games, lost some close games. Who'd the Buccaneers beat last week? Um, Buccaneers beat the Jaguars. Oh, that is why I'm riding with them. Frick, they're hot right now. Um, man, I don't know. Do we think the Buccaneers win the series over the Saints? Oh, no. Um, they are in Tampa. I do think that benefits them. So, yeah, we'll stick with our Buccaneers pick. I'm going with the Bucks. 
But um, that should be a very, very close one. Am I rooting for anyone in that? I don't know. We'll review fantasy later on. Keeping us moving with our noon o'clock games. 49ers visit the Commanders. I mean, do, do I even have to mention this? Do I even have to talk about this matchup? I mean, 49ers, 11-4, second best team in the NFC. Took an absolute L against the Ravens. But other than that, 5-2 at home, 5-6-2 on the road. Um, 444 points put up, only 267 allowed. This is still a good team, and they're playing the worst defense in the league. The Commanders who have given up 453 points. That's absurd. Um, Commanders have only won one game at home. They're on a six-game losing streak. They benched Sam Howell last week for Jacoby Brissett. Give me the 49ers. A rebound game for Brock Purdy. Hopefully, they should start Brock Purdy. They really should. And uh, Chris McCaffrey, do your thing in the fantasy playoffs, please. No, please, I actually beg you, Christian. I want to win $200. Battle of the Beasts. And, um, uh, nope, still, oh my gosh, how many 330 games are there? There's only one, two, three. There's only three 330 games. How about that? Wow, a lot of noon games. A lot of noon games on Christmas Eve. They must be like, must a lot of the players must be like, oh, we want to go out and party the rest of the night. So they're like, yeah, okay, we'll let you fly back to wherever you're from. Panthers visit the Jaguars, and this is such a blessing for the Jaguars as they have been struggling. They have been struggling. They were ranked as the team most likely to clinch their division. Jaguars now on a four-game losing streak, three and five at home. Um, minus 12 point differential now, eight and seven. They're now tied with the Colts and Texans for the top of the AFC South. The only thing benefiting the Jaguars right now, I'm pretty sure, is that, wait, how did they do in their divisional games? Let me double check this. They beat the Texans, beat the Titans, beat the Colts. Wow. They lost to the Texans. They split with the Texans. That's notable. They won the series over the Colts. Um, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. So the Colts one doesn't matter. They will win a tiebreaker with the Colts because they've beaten the Colts twice. But as for the Texans, they split. So it will then come down to, I'm pretty sure, point differential. I don't think that, I don't know if that's true, but we'll see how it plays out. This is such a blessing for Trevor Lawrence. I hope Trevor Lawrence plays. I really hope Trevor Lawrence plays. I need him in fantasy. Um, Calvin Ridley, Travis Etienne, really rooting for those guys. Um, but man, as for the Panthers, I mean, it has been the worst season. Worst team in the NFL. They are the worst team in the NFL. Two and thirteen. Um, three hundred eighty-one points allowed. Only two hundred thirty-six scored. Zero and eight on the road. Um, man, it has been it has been tough to be a to be a Panthers fan this season. Just kind of look on to the next. Hopefully, pick up someone in the draft. Do something with your team. I don't know. Easy Jaguars lock for me. There's no way. There's just no way. The Panthers have yet to win on the road. But then again, you know what? Jaguars are on a four-game losing streak. Now's your chance to capitalize Panthers. Play spoiler, okay? But, you know, Bears fans are really rooting for the Panthers to lose out because if the Panthers win two games and the Cardinals don't win anymore, Cardinals get the number one pick. So it's all pretty interesting. Dolphins play the Ravens in what honestly is probably the best noon game, probably the best one of the best games of the week. And this one has me really torn. This one has me super, super torn because these are the top two teams in the AFC. These are the top two teams in the AFC. One of the probably two of the top in the NFL. Uh, Ravens are twelve and three, five game win streak. Um, five and two at home, seven and one on the road. I mean, four hundred seventeen points for, two hundred forty four points given up. Uh, just amazing. And the win over the 49ers has their confidence at all time high. 
Now, the number one defense will now be playing the number one offense. 463 points put up for this Dolphins team. 314 uh, allowed. I mean, their defense hasn't been doing too bad. Dolphins are 7-1 at home. A notable 4-3 and on the road. They are on a little two-game win streak. I'm hoping Tyreek Hill plays. I'll be rooting, uh, I don't know if Raheem Mostert's playing. I think Raheem Mostert might actually be out for this matchup. Um, that's for the Ravens. Isaiah likely do your thing. Gus Edwards, Lamar might be your MVP. We're going to go with Ravens in this one. But I do think this will be a closer game. This should be a shootout. Um, this will be a big test because this defense for uh, the the Ravens offense was able to get past the 49ers defense. Now you got to get past the Dolphins defense. Another test. And this could be a future playoff matchup as both teams will be making the 2023 to 2024 playoffs. Final noon o'clock game is the Titans visit the Texans, and we get a rematch so soon. I can't believe we get such a soon rematch. Um, these two literally just played, I'm pretty sure, what was it, week 15? Week 15, was it? Texans and Titans played in Tennessee. Titans won on a game-winning field goal, or the Texans won. Texans won on a game-winning field goal. Now we visit. Houston, Houston Texans, for this matchup in the AFC South. Titans 5-10, um, 1-6 on the road. I mean, two-game losing streak, it's been a bad season for the Titans. They don't know to play Will Levis. They don't know to play Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry, they don't know what to do with them. I mean, it's it's a mess in Tennessee. Houston, they've been working with what they can. 8-7, minus 3-point differential. Coming off of a loss, but they did have Case Keenum behind the helm. Um, I did see that C.J. Stroud had cleared concussion protocol. I hope he can play. I am picking the Texans, but if C.J. Stroud doesn't play, I will switch to the Titans. But uh, yeah, we're riding with the Texans. We're riding with the Texans. I don't know if I confused everyone. A lot of T's, a lot of Texans, Titans, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, we'll be picking the Texans in this one as they look uh, look to make the playoffs. You know, they're not in now, but I mean, Colts lose, Jaguars lose. Hey, you guys could sneak on in. Heading into our 3.30 games, kicking off the Steelers. Visit the Seahawks, and I mean, oh my gosh, can you believe this? The Steelers, still alive in the playoff race, 8-7. and seven. Um, They were blew out the Bengals. I, can't, I was watching that game, I'm just like, what? George Pickens drops 35 fantasy points. They were up, what, like 21-0 at some point. Had a, just have a game, have a game, Mason Rudolph. My goodness, the defense is really the focal point of this whole thing. They do have a atrocious, an absolutely atrocious minus thirty-four point differential. Five and four at home, three and three on the road. Steelers have just been—I don't know—they've been a bad team this year. But you know what? They can still make the playoffs if they win here. But it won't be easy. It will not be easy for the Steelers team as they visit the Seahawks, who have been pretty good at home. Five and two at home, eight and seven. They're currently in the playoffs. Uh, do have a minus thirty-two point differential, which isn't too too uh, too good. But they're on a little two-game win streak. Been doing their thing. Give me the Seahawks, and just because of how good they've been at home, they have so much momentum. They have so much momentum right now. Let me just say that um, wins over the Eagles, wins over the. Um, would they play last week? The Seahawks played the Titans. Good win for them. Gritty win. Gritty win, I'll say. You know what? Some teams just refuse to go away easily. Um, but you know what? Seahawks, look forward towards the playoffs. Gino or Drew Locke, whoever you ride with. Um, just don't pass the DK Metcalf. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Don't pass the DK or run it with Kenneth. Because I think I play one of them. I don't know. I know they aren't on my team. I got tired of locking on my bench in the league. Maybe I could start them. I doubt I will. I honestly doubt I will. 
Second 3.30 game, Chargers visit the Broncos. I mean, an AFC West matchup here. Um, there are some stakes in this one, though. There are some stakes. Obviously, Chargers are eliminated 5-10. and 10. Uh, Minus 44-point differential, three-game losing streak. Brandon Staley has got to go. He is uh, he won't be allowed much longer. They, they haven't fired him yet, right? I don't think they've fired him yet. I can't recall. Or did they? Who cares? I, I can't remember. But um, Broncos are still alive in the playoff race despite losing their last two, um, seven and eight. They could even win the division, which is a wild thought, as the Broncos and Raiders have split with the Chiefs. Um, Man, minus 50-point differential, though. You know what? Uh, give me the Broncos still. Give me the Broncos still. Chargers are just, Chargers are just, I, I just can't pick them. I just cannot pick the Chargers, okay? And the Broncos, I just know they're good. But, ooh, they did they did start Jeff Stidham. All right, so it's Jeff Stidham versus Easton Stick. And Easton Stick almost beat Josh Allen, but you know what, Jeff? I'm riding with you, Jeff Stidham. Pass to Cortland Sutton, why don't you? How about you do that? Final 3.30 game, second to last game of the week 17 of Sunday, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, too many Eves. Um, Bengals visit the Chiefs, and this was supposed to be battle of the two best teams back when you started the season. You thought Joe Burrow versus Patrick Holmes, so the number one seed. No, Bengals, no, no, no. The Bengals are 8-7, and seven, not in the playoffs. Um, minus 30, or what is it, minus 27 point differential. Five and three at home, three and four on the road, coming off of a loss, a bad loss to the Steelers. Man, man, oh man, they're still playoff eligible somehow, but I don't see them winning. But that's, but you know what? This is the time to beat the Chiefs if you're the Bengals. Chiefs are nine and six, um, three hundred thirty-three points for, two hundred sixty-five points against. I'll point out the two hundred sixty-five points against. Um, they've given up a lot of defensive touchdowns. Uh, the defense has been pretty good for the Chiefs. Offense not what it's used to be. Chiefs will make the playoffs, all right? Chiefs will make the playoffs, I'm pretty sure, but something's up. I don't know. Maybe if we can get playoff Mahomes, but usually Patrick Mahomes is undefeated in December, and so far it's been pretty rough going for him. Travis Kelsey needs to lock in, let me tell you that. Rasheed Rice, pass the Rasheed Rice. You know, if anything goes bad, just pass the Rasheed Rice. And I hope Isaiah Pacheco wins, uh, plays. I really do um, hope Joe Mixon has a good game, but uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one. Just because it's, you know what, I, I, after seeing both teams perform, you know, the Bengals just kind of looked lost. And, you know, I have no idea. Chiefs it is. Um, heading into our final game of Week 17. Wow, they just, they love me. The NFL loves me, ladies and gentlemen, as my Minnesota Vikings will host the Green Bay Packers. That's right. We are both seven and eight, um, second and third. We're second there, third in the NFC North. I mean, similar seasons. I mean, we've just both been hit with some rough patches. We have a plus fifteen point differential. They have a plus two. I won't lie. Vikings are two and five at home, which is absolutely terrible. Packers are three and five on the road. Um, Vikings on a two game losing streak. Packers coming off of a win. Be that it was to the Panthers by three points. I mean, that's nothing to flex about. But um, obviously I'm picking the Vikings, but this is so crucial to us making the playoffs. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll be rooting for the Vikings. It's the final game of New Year's Eve. This is how we're going to ring in the new year with a Vikings win. Come on, boys. Pass to Justin Jefferson. Just, oh, man, I just don't know what to do, boys. It's We've just had so bad this year. We've split with the Bears. Might split with the Packers. 
hopefully can split with the Lions. I have no idea what's going to go on. But actually, this game will determine if we play our starters against the Lions. Let me just say that. But um, yeah, Vikings prediction for me, Vikings fan, Packers hater. I need Justin Jefferson to go off. Let's recap them all. Browns over Jets, Cowboys over Lions, Bills over Patriots, Bears over Falcons, Colts over Raiders, Rams over Giants, Eagles over Cardinals, Buccaneers over Saints, 49ers over Commanders, Jaguars over Panthers, Ravens over Dolphins, Texans over Titans, Seahawks over Steelers, Broncos over Chargers, Chiefs over Bengals, and Vikings over Packers. I picked way too many home teams, though some of those aren't going to be correct, but I don't know which ones to switch. I don't know which one's the switch. So one week I should just flip a coin. I'll flip a coin and whoever it lands on will um, be who I pick. But uh, as for now, we'll uh, we'll ride with those. Jets and Browns goes down tonight. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I might just have it up on my phone, just casually check in on the game. But I'm not really going to pay much attention. I, I could care less. But um, let's talk about fantasy football real quick before I dive into... Um, what we're, uh, we all came here to listen to, maybe. Maybe you like football. Maybe you like UFC. I don't know, but we will be ranking every single UFC fight night event. So that's making every event that wasn't a pay-per-view, basically, um, in 2023. But as for fantasy football, I'm in the championship in two leagues. In one league, I played my boy Landon. We were the number one and number two seeds. It's only fitting we meet here. This was his first year ever doing fantasy football, so big shout-out to him. Um, I did start out this league. Um, this league, I did start out this league. I was the number one team. When I finished with ten and four record um, in the playoffs, I mean it was it was kind of a grind. Um, I beat my one opponent by twenty three. Oh, so I, I just had one matchup in the playoffs. I didn't even realize that. But my bad, my bad. But the team, this matchup, I mean, I got Jalen Hurts. He's got Dak Prescott. Pretty even. I've got David Montgomery. He's got Gus Edwards. That's also somewhat even. I'd maybe lean more towards David. Pacheco and Gibson. I have Pacheco. He's questionable. All right, my backup running backs. Um, Ty Algier, Clyde Edwards Alaire. I really, really hope that he plays. Um, he's got Antonio Gibson, though, so I'm hoping that Brian Robinson Jr. plays. Um, I've got Justin Jefferson. He's got T. Higgins. We'll see what happens there. I've got Calvin Ridley. He's got Drake London. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell with some of those guys. Now, he does have Darren Waller. I have Isaiah Likely. I don't know what to expect from Darren Waller when it comes um, his game against the Rams. But I'm hoping Isaiah Likely can capitalize against the Dolphins. Flex, I've got Devontae Smith. He's got Jerry Judy. I am fairly confident in Devontae Smith. If I'm being honest, I'm fairly confident in that. He's got the Jets D, which is number 5D. I've got Ravens, which is number 1. And he's got Jake Moody, who has uh, been kind of doing well for the 49ers. The 6, 10, 4, 6, 7, 9, 10 games. But I do have the number one kicker in fantasy, Brandon Aubrey. He's been doing pretty good this year. I'll uh, be interesting to see how this goes. He does have Jamar Chase and Cortland Sutton on his bench. I don't know what he's doing, but um, yeah, we're just gonna let that sit there for now. I gosh, I don't know what he's thinking there. I'll uh, I'll be quiet. Hopefully, he doesn't change out anything. My other league I'm in the championship in, my 10-man $20 buy-in. My cousin invited me. It was with all of his friends, and now I'm in the championship for $200. Might I add you, this is going to be an absolute heater. It's a two-week thing, week 17 and 18 combined. So this week, this first week, it's all about getting up a big league. And let me tell you, let me tell you, in my first round, I put up a 75, 76-point lead in the first week, and it was so crucial to me winning in the second. 
I've got Trevor Lawrence. He's got Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield's been the number one QB in fantasy the last three weeks, so I'm a little nervous there. Um, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, though, i got to throw in Jaron Hall, my boy, from Minnesota. It's only fitting. It's only fitting. Um, he has Brian Robinson. I have Christian McCaffrey. All right, I got Chris McCaffrey, so that's a dub right there. Here's Jameer. I have Joe Mixon. I mean, that's a little scary with Jameer Gibson. I have T. Higgins. He has C.D. Lamb. Oh, I'm playing T. Higgins and have T. Higgins. I mean, I don't know what to do, though, because I put in Jordan Addison. Actually, he has Cortland Sutton, too. Uh, I'm talking about Landon, by the way. So, but, um, yeah, I play C.D. Lamb. Oh, gosh. I play a Monroe St. Brown. I have Rasheed Rice. He's Kyle Pitts. I have Isaiah Likely. He has Kyrene Williams. I have Raheem Mostert, who's questionable. He does have the Pittsburgh defense, which is the number 12 defense. I got the Miami defense, which is number four. He's got Jason Myers, and I got Matt Gay, my boy Matt Gay. I don't know how I feel about this, boys. We'll see what happens. In my Cato Boys League, I'll be playing for seventh place. No need to even talk about that. And in my six-man All-Star Family League, I will be playing for basically last place. I play for fifth place against my mom. There's only six people, though. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun fun last two weeks of the season. A lot can happen. I'm very much excited for it. And, um, yeah, a lot of football to be watched in the coming month. A lot of stuff to be talked about here on the Spreadsheet Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for our NFL talk. Um, I say let's get right into ranking every UFC Fight Night event in 2023. Of course, I mentioned UFC Fight Night events are just any event that's not a pay-per-view. Usually, uh, so let's see, we had, how many events did we have? I can't even, I can't even recall. I remember someone said, was it 43? Do we have 43 events? Um, I think it was, because let's see, there were 14 pay-per-views, 29 Fight Nights. So yeah, so we had 43 events. Of those, 29 were fight nights. So we've got 29 to be ranked, 29 to be talked about. Let's get right into it. So before we begin, let me just clarify that ranking this was not easy at all. Ranking 29 fight nights. I mean, I took, I did take a lot into account. I took into account if there was a crowd, you know, a lot of Apex events are going to be listed low. Pretty much all but two. I think there's only, there's only... Two events where there's a crowd that are not in the top 10, all right? Um, there are only 12 with crowds, so I mean, that does say something. But um, yes, I also took into account the main card, how good a main card was, how good the main event was. A lot of, a lot of stuff was taken into this, how many finishes, how many good moments, just stuff like that. So without a doubt, let's get into it with what I always say. It's probably just as big as the number one, and that is what the number 29 is, what the worst UFC fight night of the year was. And for me, for me, it was UFC Vegas 69, main evented by Jessica Andrade and Aaron Blanchfield, going down February 18th at the Apex in Las Vegas. I mean, they're just, there was not much to enjoy about this. So for starters, Prelims, we can start off with three finishes. I mean, nothing too nothing too thrilling. Clayton Carpenter submitting Juana Mancillo Ronderos. No idea who that is. AJ Fletcher submitting Thembo Gorimbo. Then Felipe Linz blitzing Ovin St. Pru and KOing him in 49 seconds. Nothing too exciting. Then Jamal Emmers would beat the undefeated Kusin Ashkabob in a boring three-round fight where Kusan would just try and pull guard and Jamal would stand on the feet. Probably one of the best moments of the night was Myro Bueno Silva submitting Lena Landsberg with a knee bar, getting a performance bonus for it, but there wasn't much action in that besides the knee bar. 
Nizim Sadikov and Evan Elder giving us a fight of the night, though, which was stopped in round three due to a cut over Evan Elder's eye. I mean, it was it was a good fight, probably the highlight of the night. Alexander Hernandez would beat Jim Miller. Um, Marcin Percino and William Knight would put on the worst fight of 2023 as William Knight would legit just stand there. He would legit just stand there against Marcin Prochat. You know, totals from that fight, 79 total strikes to 8, same for significant. And by the way, um, 75% of those were to the leg. So it was um, pretty brutal. William Knight did nothing. Boring fight. Jamal Pogues on the main card would just grapple Josh Parzian. And then Zach Palga in the co-main event against Jordan Wright would hold him against the cage in the clinch for. Eight minutes and four seconds. So boring. Main event was kind of decent. Um, Aaron Blanchfield and Jessica Josh went at it. Aaron Blanchfield winning by round two rear naked chokehold. But other than that, there was little to be enjoyed here at all. I mean, I'm talking just a lot of doozies of fights. Just a lot of, a lot of boredom. Just a lot of boredom is how I'll describe it. Number 28 is UFC Vegas 79, headlined by Rafael Fazeev and Matus Gamrot. This one hurts to put this low. This one really does, and it, it really hurts because Matus Gamrot and Rafael Fazeev was so, supposed to be such a good event. Um, I mean, not such a good event, such a good f- main event, and it just ended up not being just end up not being that. I mean, we kicked off the prelims, three straight decisions, nothing too exciting. Then Cody Brundage would win a terrible DQ against Jacob Malkoon. Jacob Malkoon mauled him for four minutes before landing one, one, um, elbow to the back of the head. And Cody Brundage said he couldn't continue. It was one of those John Jones, Mark Hamill situation, Matt Hamill situations. So pretty unfortunate there. Um, one big moment on the prelims, though, was Tim Means um, beating Andre Fiala in a fight of the night. Just an absolute war, those two throwing it down. That was a good moment. You then had Dan Argetta and Miles Johns having a no contest. Um, pretty pretty unfortunate there. I think it was overturned due to drug issues. Um, main card starts off. I mean, uh, Ch- Charles Jordan gets a guillotine choke. I guess that was pretty cool. Brian Battle submitting AJ Fletcher, just kind of casual. Um, Marina Rodriguez, though, beating Michelle Watterson Gomez by round two TKO. Absolutely bloody, absolutely brutal. That was a good moment. Um, Komen, though, Bryce Mitchell just outgrapples Danny Gay into oblivion. Nothing fun there in the main event after a decent round one. Um, Hafalfa Ziv would tear his ACL or maybe his Achilles or something. Two minutes into round two, leaving little to be desired for. I did go 5-0 and on my predictions for this event, but it was so boring, so... Just nothing happened. Just absolutely nothing happened. It was it was kind of unfortunate around out the card, but a couple of good moments to point out. Number twenty seven, we have UFC Vegas seventy one, um, Sergey Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades. Now this one actually wasn't too bad. There were some good moments, but there was also some L moments. So we kicked off. I mean, Brady Heistead lost the fight to Batirl Dana. Batirg, Bat, Batkirgil Dana. Wow, what an interesting name. Um, after winning, um, after kind of being up two rounds, lost to TKO in the third. William Gomez would beat Francis Marshall. Boring decision. Mohamed Usman would beat Junior Toffa in one of the most boring decisions of the year. 
Same thing with normal Dumont, Carol Rosa. We did have a cool knockout from Montel Jackson over Renee Yaha. Then Christios Gagos over Ricky Glenn. So two cool round one knockouts. Then Jeremy Wills and Matthew Semmelsberger would have a competitive bout, but it was very odd. It was pretty much Jeremy Wells getting knocked down by Matthew Semmelsberger, then grappling him. Then Yasmin Lucindo would outgrapple Brogan Walker in a boring decision. Bobby Green and Jared Gordon would have their head clash where, yeah, they uh, no contest, four minutes and a half minutes in. Now, we did end with two performances tonight, round one knockouts. Um, Bruno Silva beating Brad Tavares and Sergey Pavlovich beating Curtis Blades, which was kind of entertaining, but they weren't really highlight reels. Kind of just punching, 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 and knocked them down. Ref was like, that'll do it. So, little to be, little to be desired there, I will say. But, um, you know what? We've seen worse. We've seen worse. If I were to go through and rank, Every single fight night I've seen, I'm sure. I'm sure not all of these would place too badly, but these ones did for me. Coming in at number 26, I have UFC Vegas 77, main evented by Holly Holmes and Myro Bueno Silva. This fight started off with the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Out of the first eight fights, the first six were decisions. Out of the first eight, seven were decisions. And I mean, absolutely terrible. Aileen Perez outgrapples Ashley Evans-Smith. Alexander Munoz casually just beats Carl Deaton. Azamat Maxum wins a close split decision over Tyson Ham. Evan Elder and Janal Valdez, not too bad. Both man landed knockdowns, but nothing to be desired. Melchus Alcosta outgrapples Austin Lingo. Victoria Dudikova, 34 seconds in, gets a TKO after Estella Nunes gets injured. And then Tucker Lutz um, grapples Melsic back to Sarian and then gets beat up. Now, I will say... Main card was pretty uh main card wasn't too bad. Main card wasn't too bad. Um Nazim Sadikov after getting after losing round one submits uh Terrence McKinney in round two. Norma Dumont would put on an absolute doozy against Chelsea Chandler, which saw Chelsea Chandler sprint across the cage. That was a funny moment. Uh Jun Young Park would just casually beat Albert Durav. Francisco Prado would have a crazy KO over Ottoman Azatir, though, earning a performance bonus. Jack Delamalena and Basil Hafez having a competitive fight of the night split decision. Decently good fight. And in the main event, Holly Holmes would be submitted by Mario Bueno Silva in round two by a standing guillotine choke. Now, that fight was overturned because Mario Bueno Silva failed a drug test. So, there's that. So, a couple of good finishes, good fight of the night, but a lot of decisions on the prelims. And also, was at the apex, little to be desired. Um, I want you to guess where we're heading for our next one. At number 25, we have UFC Vegas 81, Sodik Youssef versus Edson Barbosa. Another Apex event. This um this event is purposely here because um I went 0-5 at this one. I went 0-5 on my predictions, so pretty brutal. Now we kick it off, Emily Dakota, casual win. Chris Gutierrez over Alatenge, casual win. Melissa Dixon over Arena Axova, casual win. Terrence McKinney beating Brendan Marat, though, in 20 seconds was pretty entertaining. But, yeah, again, 20-second knockout. Um, Tanera Lisboa, Ravina Oliveira, Snoozer. Darren Elkins and TJ Brown grapple their way to a round three Runic and Chokehold win for Darren Elkins. Christian Rodriguez would outgrapple Cameron Samen. Uh, Michelle Perra, though. 
KOing Andre Petrovsky in a minute. Pretty entertaining. Jonathan Martinez being Adrian Giannis by leg kicks. Brutal. Viviana Rojo being Jeff Maya in an absolute doozy of a co-main event. Um, but the event was saved and placed as higher than the others due to Edson Barbosa and Sodi Yusuf putting on one of the greatest apex fights I've ever seen. A fight of the night. A comeback for Edson Barbosa. Absolutely amazing main event. Saving this just boring, casual apex event. Next one up, though, 24. This one is one of my personal favorites because of how shockingly low it is. How shockingly low it is. And that is UFC San Antonio. It went down on March 25th, 2023. Marlon Vera versus Corey Sanhagen was the main event. And this was supposed to be Marlon Vera's final fight before getting a title shot. Little did we know, this would be one of the worst events of the year. And the only reason it places so high is because of the crowd, all right? And the crowd was not treated to very, very good fights. Um, kicked off the prelims, Victor Altaramino beats Vincia Salvador, casual event. Now, what was my comeback of the year nominee, or actually winner, on our award show here on the podcast? CJ Vergara beating Daniel Lacerda in a fight of the night, which ended in round two with a TKO win for CJ Vergara, was the highlight, the absolute highlight of this event. Um, absolutely amazing here, but after that, Trevin Giles beats Preston Parsons by decision. Lucas Alexander beats Stephen Pearson by decision. Stephen Pearson would then retire. Um, we only had three finishes on this whole card. Daniel Pineda submitting Tucker Lutz got him a performance. Um, boring decision from Albert Dua from cheating to Chukwu. Macy Barber, Andrea Lee, controversial split decision. Um, Nate Landwehr submitting Austin Lingo was pretty hype. And then Holly Holmes would beat Giannis Santos in a boring grappling win in the co-main event. And the main event, Corey Sanhagen would grapple his way to a win over Marlon Vera and lose the final two rounds, or the final round at least. Um, actually, did he even lose? Did he even lose a round, actually? Now that I'm thinking about it, um, on, he won one round on judge's scorecard, and then Joel Ojeda was clearly trying to rig this fight as he scored it for Marlon Vera, which made absolutely no sense. Um, looking back on the fight, the only round that Marlon Vera could have potentially won was four or five um, just terrible stuff all around. Uh, just, I mean, it's a shame San Antonio was treated to this bad of an event. I, I will not lie. It was, it was, it was just boring. It was just boring. I remember watching this going like, um, is something else going to happen? Is, is this actually how we're going to round out this event? And yeah, so, um, good comeback fight. Two other finishes. Uh, the Night Landmark fight was fun, but other than that, just a doozy, just an absolute doozy. Checking in at number 23, Michael Jordan's number, UFC Vegas 74, which went down on June 3rd. Main event was Kai Kara France and Miral Bazi. This was the first flyweight main event since UFC 256, it was, when Devis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno main evented. It was the first time that flyweights had main evented a fight night since July of 2020. Whole card over itself. I mean, your typical Apex card. This was loaded with fights. There was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I think there was 13 or 14 fights. Absolutely loaded. Um, Kicking off, Felipe Lins, casual decision. Damon Blackshear getting a TKO over Lewin Lacerda. Lise Reed, Jin Frey putting on a boring fight. Mohamed Nayov, KOE Jamie Malarkey, though, earned himself a performance of the night. Good moment for him. John Constanta decision. Dontel Mays, KOing Andre Olowski with one punch. One punch KO for him. Uh, Daniel Santos being Johnny Munoz. Elizio Lizalesquito Santos being Abu Gar by split decision. Um, main card, though. 
Crane Silva gets a interesting lock. It's listed as an other lock um, over Ketlin Souza. Interesting there. Tim Elliott beating Victor Alteramino. Um, Jim Miller KOing Jesse Butler was pretty, pretty entertaining there. 23 second KO, probably highlight of the night. Fight of the night between Alex Caceres and Daniel Pineda in a sloppy fight. And then a close split decision win over for Amir Bazi over Kiker Fence in the main event. Very disputed though. Um, just your typical Apex card, some decent moments, some not-so-decent moments, um, but not too bad compared to some of the other ones that we have seen. And plus, I just, I weigh where I was. I'm trying to remember where I was when I watched this. I think I was just at home in my basement, just casually watching it. Coming in at number 22, we have UFC Vegas 73 main evented by Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. And usually women's um, main events don't place high for me, but this one surprisingly did. It, was, it wasn't actually too bad. Um, I think we only had two women's main events for fight nights the whole year. Actually, looking back on it, I think we had three. I think we had three, and this was um, one of them. One of the latter ones. Um, but we kicked off the night. Thunberg Rimbo beating Takashi Soto. This was right after The Rock gave him a house, I'm pretty sure. So big stuff for him. Nally Silva, we get a round one KO of Victoria Leonardo, which was a pretty good moment. Chase Hooper beating Nick Fior, moving up in weight. Rodrigo Nosmantilio Latife, a sleeper. Gilbert Urbina KOing Orient Kosick with a head kick. That was a really good old moment. Carolina Kowalski beating Vanessa Demopoulos. Um, Vyacheslav Borshev knocking out Mahashat with a round two KO. Brutal performance win for him. Uh, Diego Ferreira KOing Michael Johnson. Good uh, good one-shot knockout for him right in a performance bonus. Joking Buckley and Andre Fialo going at it. And then with a Joking Buckley head kick KO. Lupi Godinez and Emily Dakota swinging for the fences. Edmund Shabazian would be sent packing from the UFC, most likely, as Anthony Hernandez dominated him. And then divorced Mackenzie Dern absolutely laid out all her frustration in life on Angela Hill in a fight of the night. Was a was a decently entertaining card. I think it was at my buddy's house. We were watching this before we went out for the evening. I was like, let's turn on the TV. This is going to be great. And it wasn't too bad. But yet again, typical Apex card. That's kind of become the saying around here. But um, yeah, not too shabby. Check it in at number 21, just outside of the top 20. We have UFC Vegas 68, which went down February 4th, 2023 at the Apex, of course, between Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak in the main event. And the whole reason that this lands at number 21 is because this had just a banger of some prelims. I mean, of the of the prelims, of the prelims, one, two, three, four. Five, six, six finishes on the prelims. Um, absolutely amazing. We kick it off. Tatsuo Taera submits Jesus Aguilera with a round one triangle armbar, earning a performance of the night. Tatsuo Taera, my favorite Japanese fighter. Jun Young Park would then defeat Ten Dennis Tululin with a rear naked chokehold in round one. Hyung Sung Park would beat Sung Gak Choi via a rear naked chokehold in round three. This was the road to the UFC finals, of course. Then Rinya Nakamura would KO Toshomi Kazama in 33 seconds. A brutal KO for Rinya Nakamura. He's going to be a presence in the UFC. Close split decision um, in a woman's fight up next between Jung Young Lee and Yizha. Anshul Jubilee would then beat Jekka Saragai in a performance of the night. Um, it's crazy how both those two went their separate ways. Then uh, Adam Fujit would KO Yusaku Kinoshita in round number one. Duhu Choi and Kyle Nelson would fight to a draw on the main card. Marcin Tibera, Blagoy Ivanov in a boring, boring fight. 
Devin Clark and Dawoon Jung, you know, it was kind of competitive, but not the most entertaining. And then Sergey Spivak would absolutely destroy Derek Lewis, take him down six times in three minutes to round out the card. The prelims are just kind of one I remember just because of how hyped they were, which is why it lands at 21 for me. But I'm sure if we were to go through and analyze these cards a bit more, it might place a bit lower. Let's get into our top 20 events, though. Kicking off with our final fight night of the year. At number 20, UFC Vegas 83, headlined by Song Dong and Chris Gutierrez. I mean, we kicked off the event, the debuting Talita Allen Carr, beating Ryan Amanda. Tatsuro Taira still proving that he should be ranked. Give him a ranked opponent as he TKOs Carlos Hernandez in round number two. Amazing stuff there. Um, two back to boring decision from Luis Santos and Stephanie Edgar. Steve Garcia TKO'd Melquizal Costa in round two. Bloody. Hyung Sung Park knocking out Shannon Ross in round number two. Brutal KO. Kevin Jusset, Sung Kinong, boring decision. Andre Munez would grapple Jung Young Park to death. Um, Tim Elliott proving he still belongs, submitting Suma Darji. Nazarek Hakpasarat getting a blitz KO over Jamie Malarkey. And Khalil Roundtree Jr. laying into Anthony Smith in a dominant round three knockout. And then I was at the bar for this event, for the main event, as Song Dong would just casually beat Chris Gutierrez through five straight rounds. I mean, there just wasn't anything bad on here to put it lower. There were some good finishes, but um, no, nothing really left to be appetized here. I mean, the main event could have been better. I will say that. I, I will say this could have placed much higher if the main event was more entertaining, but it was just a casual five-round event. Kicking off our number 19 is the first event of 2023, our first fight night of the year, UFC Vegas 67, headlined by Sean Strickland and Nazardine Imavov. And this was a big one, first event of the year. And our first fight of the year was our first knockout of the year as Charles Johnson, uh, TKO Jimmy Flick in four and a half minutes. Dan Argetta with them, big Nick Aguirre. And in only our third fight of the year, we would have our first submission of the year as Alan Nascimento would beat Carlos Hernandez. So pretty much the first card of the year, get your first TKO, get your first submission. Good enough. Matus Rebeke would get a win over Nick Fiore, casual win. Abdul Zarqa Hassan, KO and Claudio Ribeiro, pretty shocking there. Javid Bashrat staying undefeated with a win over Matus Mendonca. Umar Namagomedov putting an early KO of the Year nominee as he would beat Rione Barcelos in four minutes into round one. Hakuel Pennington would earn her title shot, oddly, um, that she's getting in uh, January at UFC 297 with her win over Ketlin uh, Vieira by split decision, her last win. Um, Roman Kopilov would kick off his amazing 2023 with a round two knockout performance of the night head kick of Punahali Soriano. Dan Ige would put Damon Jackson's lights out with a round two KO in the co-main event. And then Sean Strickland on short notice after literally losing, not but like three weeks ago to Jerry Kanier, would outbox Nazardine Imovov through five straight rounds to win. Um, this would place a bit higher if the main event had been more entertaining. But other than that, this was a pretty good card to kick off the year, and I kind of expect the same thing from a UFC Vegas 84 between uh, Mogman Ankalaev and Johnny Walker, which goes down January 13th, 2024. That'll be our first event of the year. I do expect the same level of decent card to kick off the year. Coming in at number 18, we have UFC Vegas 80, headlined by Grant Dawson and Bobby Green, which went down October 7th at the UFC Apex. Um, not, what's there to talk about here? I mean, we kick it off three boring decisions, three boring pre prelim decisions. Uh, Nate Manez would then KO Matus Mendonca in four minutes and 40 seconds, so earning himself a little performance bonus. 
Back-to-back boring decisions would then land finally with Drew Dober KOing Ricky Glenn with a two-and-a-half-minute KO. Uh, Jokey Buckley and Ox Perono engaging in a uh, decent decent little battle themselves, pretty competitive. Joe Pfeiffer would then beat Abdul Razak Al-Hassan with a round-two arm triangle. The odds on Joe Pfeiffer winning by submission were so high. Could have won a lot of money here. And then one of the biggest shockers, which is why it places so high, is Bobby Green KOing Grant Dawson in 33 seconds, and Grant Dawson had been on like a, I think it was 18 or 17 fight win streak, maybe even 20 fight win streak, and Grant da- and uh, Bobby Green KO'd him. Bobby Green hadn't even been ranked. Grant Dawson was the number 10 lightweight. A huge shocker um, put his lights out with just one punch. You love you love to see it. And I always like those. They're always shocking. They always just kind of catch you off guard, and you're kind of just, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's out. He's out, and that's just kind of how it went. Getting into number 17, UFC Vegas 72, headlined by Song Dong and Ricky Simone. I actually watched this at my friend's house. I remember I was watching at the boys' house, who I was go to in college, and it was it was decent. I mean, of the five main card fights, four were finishes, so can't really beat that. Um, kicked off with a boring women's fight decision. Marcus McGee, on short notice, would then submit Journey Newsom in round number two. Good moment then. Irina Alexeva would win her uh, debut against Stephanie Edgar, a submission specialist herself, by uh, submitting her in uh, two minutes with a knee bar. Cody Durden would grapple Charles Johnson to death with 11 takedowns. Martin Boudet would, uh, at the time, remain undefeated against Jake Collier. Um, Trey Waters on short notice would be undefeated Josh Quinlan good moment there Marco Sergio de Lima would uh, kill the hype train of Waldo Cortez Acosta grappling him to death then Fernando Padilla would KO Julian Arosa in a minute 40 shocking moment I remember that Rodolfo Vieira having a uh, comeback fight. That was one of my, uh, what was I going to say? Comeback of the fight nomination. Comeback of the year nominations. My goodness. Um, uh, as Rodolfo Vieira would come back and beat Cody Brundage with a round two arm triangle. Kyle Barallo would continue his ascent to the top. Still yet to be at the top, but continuing his rise with the performance of the night. Renee Chokehold of Michael Olkajasek. And then Song Dong would put on a performance of the night when he knocked out Ricky Simone in round number five. Showed true grit. Showed excellent boxing um song Dong is an absolute stud in this one and you know what this is just another one of those fight nights where it's like right before you're about to go out for the evening you know you're kind of getting ready and you know what this did not disappoint at all i very much enjoyed it and uh it was crazy to see how a lot of these fighters ended the year kicking us off at number 16 ufc vegas 70 uh, which went down February 25th, 2023. This fight was hit with some shocking news as the main event between Ryan Spann and Nikita Kreloff was called off right as the card was starting, which was an absolute killer. I wondered how it would go. And surprisingly, the card did not disappoint too much. Kicked it off, Narulu Alev, who is from, I believe, Tajikistan or something, some country in um, uh, Eastern Asia, and um, or just Europe or whatever, you know, by the Russian area. But beating Rafael Alves, a really good competitor, and a majority decision win, and they were showing his home crowd nation up cheering for him. Great moment there. Joe Selecki would then defeat uh, Carl Deaton by Renek Chokol. Ode Osborne and Charles Johnson having a competitive fight. Jordan Leavitt, kneeing Victor Martinez to death in two and a half minutes, earning himself a TKO performance tonight uh, win. Jasmine Jasu Davish win a unanimous decision. Trevor Peak. KOing Eric Gonzalez um, with one second left 
in uh, the round one crazy moment there. Mike Mallett continuing his rise to the top, submitting Johan Laness with a round one arm triangle. Tatiana Suarez making her three-year return, submitting Montana De La Rosa in under uh, in round two. Um, Augusto Sakai and Dante Mays would put on a doozy in the co-main event, but then Brendan Allen and Andre Munez, which was not supposed to be the main event, stepped up, and Brendan Allen would submit Andre Munez, who had nine submissions at the time. It was on like a 16-fight win streak. Brendan Allen's rise to the top would begin here. This was this was a fun one. Um, and another one I'm trying to think. Was I at the boys' house for this? I, I at times cannot remember where I was for some of these. It was I think it was in my dorm, actually. I think I was at my dorm or... Uh, Somewhere. I was somewhere, but um, yeah. Number 15, getting into our top 15. Wow, cruising through the list. Not really, but you know what? They're having fun along the way. Number 15, UFC Vegas 78, headlined by Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos, which went down August 12th, of course, at the Apex. That's what all the Vegas events are. A lot of fights on this card. We had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Kicked it off, though, with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight finishes. Absolutely crazy. Luiana Santos would uh, TKO Juliana Miller in round number one. Damon Blackshear, who won my uh, Submission of the Year nominee for this, would submit Jose Johnson with a twister in under four minutes, only the third time in UFC history. This was historic. This was crazy. I love this. Jacqueline Olmimram would then win her debut over Montezera Canijo Ruiz by TKOing her in round number three in a dominant lopsided win. 86 significant strikes to six. Four submission attempts. Crazy. Martin Boudet would then submit Josh Parzian with a Kimura in round one. Isaac Dalgarian would win his debut over Francis Marshall, TKOing him in round number one. Terrence McKinney would destroy Mike Breeden, TKOing him in a minute 25. And Marcus McGee would knock out J.P. Byers, our name of performance bonus, in two minutes and 19 seconds. We were then traded to back-to-back doozies and Josh Fremd beating Jamie Pickett and A.J. Dobson beating Tafan and Chukwe. But then Yasmin Lucindo would earn a performance at night submitting Poliana Viana in round number two. And then Khalil Roundtree Jr. Oh my gosh, sending Chris Dawkins to the shadow realm with a two-minute two minute and 40-second KO. Absolutely brutal. Cub Swanson would then beat Hakeem Dawido in a very bad unanimous decision. One of the worst of the year. Probably the biggest robbery of the year, honestly. And then Vicente Luque would return um, after a year um, from actually having a brain bleed. I don't know how he's allowed to fight again. And he would beat Rafael Dos Anjos. Not the most entertaining main event, but those prelims absolutely won this card. And Khalil Roundtree Jr. just being an absolute menace is what ended up uh, making or breaking this as my number 15 event of the year. For fight nights, at least. At number 14, we have UFC Vegas 75. Marvin Vittori versus Jared Kanier was the main event, and it went down June 17th. Um, kicked off the card with a fun one between Modestus Bukakis and Zach Palga. Modestus Bukakis um, having a good return this year, earning a second win of the year. I mean, I'm sure as I'm remembering, not the most entertaining fight, but still pretty good. Dan Argetta would then uh, beat Ronnie Lawrence, but I believe that was overturned. I believe Dan Argetta had all his fights overturned. What the heck? Dan Argetta had both his wins in uh, 2023 overturned for some reason. That is very suspicious. Uh, Teresa Beta and Carlos Hernandez winning boring decisions. Kyung Ho Kang earning a good rear naked chokehold win. Uh, there's that. Alessandro Costa. Um, TKO and Jimmy Flick, good moment for him. Nicholas Dalbe beating Muslim Sleekoff. Manuel Torres KOing Nicholas Moda. 
a minute and 50 seconds in round one with an elbow brutal. Pat Sabatini bouncing back after a loss, submitting Lucas Almeida. Armin Petrosian beating Christian Leroy Duncan was all right. Armin Tzurkian, we got to see Armin Tzurkian fight as he uh, obliterated Joakim Silva. I actually had one moment in round two when he got caught with a punch. And then the main event, the whole reason this play so high, was Jared Cannonier setting the middleweight um, record for significant strikes with 241 significant strikes against Marvin Vittori, who landed 153. This was a brutal fight of the night, an absolute war. These two swing for the fences. Sometimes we thought Marvin was out of it. Then we thought Jared was. This was a great main event, and it absolutely saved this decent card overall. Just that's, that's what a main event can do for a card. Checking in at number 13, we finally... Finally get a live event, and it was UFC London, which went down July 22nd in the United Kingdom in England as um, it was main evented by Tom Aswell and Marcin Tibera. And sadly, c- kind of similar to, I'd say, San Antonio's, this was just not that entertaining of a card. I mean, compared to other London cards, not as good. I mean, we did kick it off with a crazy comeback of the years. Rafael Filo would get dropped by Daniel Perez and then somehow fight his way back to land a takedown, submit him with an arm triangle three and a half minutes into round one pretty crazy stuff there um that was a cool moment but then oh my goodness our next five fights would be decisions i mean on this what was it 14 fight card there were only one two three four five six finishes so eight decisions on here is not what you look for in a fight card Bruno Brazil would then beat the debuting Shauna Bannon, killing a hype train there. Chris Duncan would remain undefeated. Actually, no. I actually, would Chris Duncan remain undefeated? I spoke too soon. Uh, no, he had lost his uh, debut, but he would win his UFC debut here. I know his second fight of the year. Wow, Chris Duncan winning that. Kevin Vieira winning a boring decision over Pankyanzed. Mahmoud Muradov and Brian Barberita putting on a wild fight. Oh my goodness. Mahmoud Muradov, two knockdowns, 54 significant strikes, 13 takedowns. That was a wild fight. Mick Parkin, boring decision over Jamal Pogues, Joel Alvarez, uh, Darce Choking, Mark Dikise. Johnny Parsons putting on a striking TKO uh, win over Danny Roberts in a fight of the night. That was entertaining. Um, Daniel Marcos winning a controversial split decision over Davy Grant, one of the robberies of the year. Leroy Murphy handling Josh Culiabo very well, earning that. Ferziam win over Jai Herbert. Paul Craig winning his middleweight debut against Andre Munoz. Crazy win for him, very impressive. Nathaniel Wood and Andre Feely having themselves a close battle. Then one of the biggest betting upsets of the year as Julia Storyolenko submitted Molly McCann in under two minutes with an armbar. Molly McCann's hype train obliterated in this one. But then the main event, which saved this whole card, which kicked off my comeback fighter of the year, Tom Asmal KO's Marcin Tibera in a minute and 13 seconds. It was absolutely crazy. He dropped it with the one punch KO, followed up with some punches. It absolutely saved this whole event. The crowd went crazy. Absolutely love this. It lands at number 13 on our list. It was it, this was this was a blast. This was an absolute blast. The main event, at least. The rest of the card, not too much. I remember. I was in art gallery and I actually was like trying to resist um, looking at the fight and looking at uh, the art and I was kind of weighing what to do but I was able to catch the main event so it ended up working out already for me Coming in at number 12, number 12 on our list, UFC Vegas 76, Strong Strickland versus Abus Magomedov. And of course, 
this was our first event we ever covered on the podcast. Um, kicked it off. Alexander Romanov beating Blagoy Ivanov. A little bounce back fight for Alexander after losing his first fight early in the year. Uh, Louis Carolina win a casual decision. Elvis Brenner pulling off one of the craziest comebacks of the year. A fight of the night on this card against Guram Kuladze. A crazy moment here, earning a round three knockout punch. I mean, that was an amazing fight. Carol Rosa beating Yas Santos by split decision. Kind of boring. Joe Henderson Brito TKO, TKOing Weston Wilson in under three minutes. Brutal. Renat Fokredinov running through Kevin Lee. Retiring Kevin Lee in 55 seconds was brutal. Neural Suit and Ruza Boav KOing Brutal Farrell. I mean, oh my gosh, so brutal. The rise of Benoit Saint-Denis continued here as he submitted Ishmael Bonfim round number one. We did have some doozies. Ariane Lipsky, Mosegato decision, Michael Bernal's Max Griffin decision, Grant Dawson Demir's Magulov decision, but that was all redeemed with our main event as Sean Strickland, after dropping round one brutally, came back in round number two, beat a gassed out Abus Magomedov, TKO him in round number two. It was fun. It was good time. And you know what? This was just, I just remember some of the moments from this card. That uh, that's kind of why it lands here for me, and it wasn't too bad after all. We had some finishes, of course, on most of these apex cards. You're gonna have some doozies of some fights, glad decisions, but um, this one, this one was not too bad. That's why it lands at number twelve on our list. And clocking in at number eleven, just outside the top ten, is UFC Vegas eighty-two, which was headlined for real this time by Brendan Allen and Paul Craig. This was a uh, went down November eighteenth, but a pretty recent one. And honestly, this was a very very fun card. I mean, uh, we kick it off. Rafael Estevam wins his UFC debut over Charles Johnson. Did have a bit of a doozy when Trey Ogden was destroying Nicholas Moda. Then the referee stopped it early when he thought Nicholas Moda was out cold from uh, being submitted, but he wasn't. Doozy there. Um, Alan Perez wins a boring decision. Then Jekka Sarah Guy KOs Lucas Alexander in one and a half minutes. I mean, this was a brutal KO. Absolutely loved it, and I knew he would win. He was an underdog in this fight, and I just knew he was going to win. Mick Parkin would pick up a win. Heavyweight win. Pretty boring decision. Christian Leroy Duncan would get his first UFC finish, finishing uh, Dennis Tululin in uh, round number two. Good win for him. Jose Johnson getting a round three rear naked chokehold over Chad Allen Hellinger. Pretty good moment there. Dranderson Brito, then guillotine choking. Jonathan Pierce would earn a performance bonus in a very competitive fight. My Tabek Oral Buy would then be Euros Medic by Neck Crank. Crazy upset. Keep your eyes out for Oral Buy in the welterweight division. I don't even know what nation or he's from. He's from some country. Manda Hebus would then have a crazy finish of Luiana Pinero. Earned a performance bonus. A three-round battle resulting in just under a minute left, or just over a minute left, her getting the TKO victory. Peyton Talbot would then drop two rounds to Nick Aguirre before coming back in round three and submitting him under a minute into the final round. Um, Chase Hooper would win his lightweight, uh, second lightweight fight of the year with a shocking three-minute submission of Jordan Leavitt. No one saw that coming. Michael Morales would pick up a casual victory over Jake Matthews. Then Brendan Allen would just outclass Paul Craig through three rounds, submitting him 38 seconds into round number three, earning him a performance bonus and shooting him into the top 10 at middleweight. This was a fun card. This was a fun card. I think I watched this before I went out for the bars for the night. So this was a little fun, uh, just a little fun event to watch to myself. We're now getting into the top 10. And by the way, all 10 events 
um, we're in front of a live audience. Um, kicking us off at number 10, August 5th, 2023, we had a fight night headlined in Nashville, Tennessee by Corey Sanhagen and Rob Font. It was supposed to be Corey Sanhagen and Umar Namagomedov. Umar pulled out, Rob Font stepped in, which everyone thought was going to make this fight better. We'll see how it turned out. Kicked off the night with the debuting undefeated Asu Almabayev beating Ode Osborne by Rune Chokehold. Great way to get the night started then. Sean Woodson, born decision win. Cody Durden, born decision win. Billy Corntillo, born decision win. Carlson Harris would then have a crazy round three comeback and a conda choke over Jeremiah Wells, earning him a performance bonus. Kyler Phillips would outclass Rowney Barcelos to a decision win. Ludwig Klein beating Ignacio to a decision win. Bahomedes, that was. Uh, Tanner Bozer and Alexa Kamur put on just an abysmal fight between the bull. Diego Lopez would then get um, the night going. The night was really got going with Diego Lopez getting a round one, a minute and 38 second triangle arm bar over Gavin Tucker. It was just lightning and Diego Lopez is the future. Dustin Jacoby, but then shock everyone with a quick minute, 22 second knockout of Kennedy in Chukwu. This was a big win for Dustin Jacoby. Tatiana Suarez would then get a performance of the night performance bonus. A guillotine choking round number two over Jessica Andrade, cementing herself as next in line for the women's uh, strawweight championship, or maybe second in line. We'll see. And then we got to the main event, and Corey Sanhagen would outgrapple Rob Font for five straight rounds. For a total of 19 minutes and 38 seconds of control time, going 7 for 7 on takedowns in one of the worst main events of the year. Absolutely killing any momentum this card had. It was a shame to see. I mean, I don't know. It was just, it, I, I don't even know where it went wrong. I don't even know where it went wrong. Just Corey Sangagan decided to just grapple his way against Rob Font. Never even gave him a puncher's chance. Just, uh, just tough. Just tough all around because it was supposed to be just a banger of a card. It was going pretty good. We had three straight good finishes. And then you have whatever that was. Just a, just a shame. Coming in, number nine, November 4th, 2023, UFC Fight Night, headlined by Halton Almeida and Derek Lewis in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And you know what? It was, you know, the only reason it lands higher than Nashville is because the crowd was much more enthusiastic here with the Brazilian fighters. Kicked off the night, Mark Diakise winning a split decision over Cal Fernandez. Nothing much there. Eduardo Mora would then defeat Montezera Canijo, though, with a round two TKO. Kind of boring, but is what it is. Angel Hill would then upset Denise Gomez. We're getting a big win. Vitor Petrina would then send Modestus Bukakis' lights out with a round two knockout punch. Um, Renat Fakradinov and Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos will then compete in a very close majority decision draw. Might have to run that one back. Then Elvis Brenner would get the main card going with a round one knockout punch. Oh my gosh, sent Caden Kruishki to the floor flat. Absolutely entertaining. Kyle Barella would then just outclass Albus Magomedov through three rounds, clearly winning a decision. Rodrigo Nascimento and Dante Mays would have a three-on-board decision. Then Nicholas Dalby would pull off one of the biggest upsets of the year, beating the undefeated Gabriel Bonfim, who is Brazilian in Brazil, with a round two, kind of a comeback, um, TKO in round number two. I mean, good win for Dalby. Um, got a big fight poised for him in 2024 with this win, and a shocking loss by Gabriel Bonfim. And then very similar to the Nashville, I mean, to the Nashville event, I mean, just any momentum that... The event had was killed in the main event when Halton Almeida outgrappled Derek Lewis through five straight rounds for a total of 21 minutes and 10 seconds control time, actually setting the heavyweight record for most control time in a fight. So boring. So just, just draining. It just drained any life 
out of this event. I just, it, it was, it was just boring. I turned it off. I was at the bar. I was at the bar and I'm like, okay, I give up on this. I was in the middle of a dance pit and I had it on my phone and I was like, just like, I, I can't with this. I can't even give it any more effort. It was so boring. It killed the vibe, but you know what? The Brazilian fans really do make the event super good. I'm excited for us to go back to Brazil sometime in 2024. Checking in at number eight was UFC Las Vegas. Um, not any of the UFC Vegases. This one went down in uh, Las Vegas at the Virgin something hotels. It was it actually was held at like an auditorium in like a hotel, um, just in Las Vegas. So not one of the Apex events. This one actually had a live crowd. Headlined by Piotr Jan and Marab Dueva Shelley. This one was action packed with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Fights kicked off the evening. Carlson Harris wins a boring decision over Jared Gooden. Bruno Silva would then get a rear naked chokehold over Tyson Nam in the flyweight division, winning his UFC debut. Ariana Lipsky, Victor Henry would then get back to back decision wins and thereabouts. For Josh Friend would uh, submit Cedricus Dumas with a guillotine choke in round number two. Davy Grant would then throw himself into the submission of the year category when he submitted Rafael Sunsao, earning himself a performance of the night with a inverted triangle in round number three. Very very hard submission to pull off. Good win for David Grant. Carl Williams would then beat Lucas Brzezic. Vitor Petrino and Anton Tergalich would have one of the weirdest fight nights of the year, which uh, fight of the nights of the year, which I had missed. Um, they were grappling, they were striking all over the place. Mario Batista would then submit Guido Canetti in round number one. Pretty cool down. Pretty cool there. Uh, Jonathan Martinez would then win a unanimous decision over Saeed Nurmagomedov in a fight a lot of people thought Saeed had won, so that was kind of controversial. Nikita Krylov would then submit Ryan Spann in round one with a triangle choke in a hectic three minutes and 38 seconds. These two just went all at it. Um, co-main event, Alexander Volkov would uh, TKO Alexander Romanov in two minutes and 16 seconds. Just laid 12 hard punches into him, and that was that. And the main event, similar to the last two, but the only reason that it ranks this high is because of the pace Marab Dovashelli put up. He outgrapples Piotr Jan into oblivion by attempting 49 takedowns, landing 11 of them. This was Marab Dovashelli's big, big, um, how do you ever want to say, coming out party, showing up party, just showing that he is as legit as he says he is. I remember I was actually at a casino watching this on my phone. I was losing money. I was bored by this decision. But at the same time, I did feel very happy for Marab Dovashelli. That's why it lands at number seven. Oh, number eight. Number seven is actually UFC Charlotte, which went down May 13th in Charlotte, North Carolina, headlined by Jarzinho Rosenstruck and Halton Almeida. And I was actually at prom with my girlfriend, being a good boyfriend, attending it, even though I'm two years older than her. And um, I was just watching this on my phone the whole time, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Kicked it off with Tynera Lisboa winning her UFC debut, submitting Jessica Rose Clark in round number three. Brian Battle would then have one of the craziest 14-second KOs I've ever seen, sending Gabe Green out cold. Um, 14 seconds in, as I mentioned. Uh, Manny Bohm and Jiang Kim would put on one of the worst fights of the year. Manny Bohm winning a split decision. I think they cut both women after this. Douglas Silva de Andrade would then win a very uh, debated decision over Cody Stammen. Carl Williams would beat Chase Sherman, and then Matt Brown would get a crazy Easy KO to add to his repertoire, KOing Court McGee in round number one, sending him to the canvas flat. 
Alex Morono would then submit Tim Means in round number two. Good guillotine choke for him. Carlos Ulberg would absolutely run through Io Patera, earning himself a performance bonus with his two-minute KO of him. Ian Gary would then finally become a star, beating Daniel Rodriguez in round number one with a head kick KO. Johnny Walker and Anthony Smith would engage in a co-main event, which was decent. Featured Anthony Smith going, you're attacking my kids. And Johnny Walker going, what are you talking about? As he was just trying to psych himself up. And then, unlike the Derek Lewis fight, Halton Almeida would run through Jairzinho Rosenstruck, submitting him in 3 minutes and 43 seconds. The crowd was fun here. There were some good knockouts. And thankfully, Halton Almeida was able to submit Jairzinho quick and not drag it out for freaking Five whole rounds. Oh my gosh, just drained the life out of a building. And Charlotte, I hope we come back to you. Checking in at number six, just outside the top five, is UFC Kansas City. Kansas City, Missouri is where this was held April 15th, headlined by Max Holloway and Arnold Allen. And the prelims were pretty fun on here. I mean, we kick it off. Two boring ones. I mean, Josie Edwards winning a unanimous decision. Gaston Bolanos winning a unanimous decision. But then Denise Gomez would take out Bruno Brazil in round number two. Good win for her. Daniel Zaluber would beat Lando Venata in a unanimous decision win. Then Jillian Robertson would earn a performance of the night, with I, which with I think was setting the women's armbar record against Pierre Rodriguez, spinning her in round number two with an armbar. Zach Cummings would then have an absolute war against Ed Herman. Um, a round three TKO for Zach Cummings in this one. Um, Honestly, an amazing fight. Could have won a fight of the night, um, but both men actually were given performance bonuses for this, I'm pretty sure, as they both retired after the fight. A really fun moment. I really enjoyed that fight. Brandon Royval with then KO Matthias Nakalu. This fight should never have been on the prelims. With a two-minute knee stunning, Matthias Nakalu just got caught, dropped down, and you were like, oh my gosh, just got hit with a knee. Bill Algeo and TJ Brown would then have a fight of the night in a fight which only lasted a minute 40 in round number two before Bill got a submission win. Uh, Rinnick chokehold over TJ Brown, but it was an absolute war. Hoffa Garcia would bloody up Clay Guida's face to kick off the main card. Pedro Munoz would outclass Chris Gutierrez. Ion Kudalaba would run through Tanner Bozer, TKOing him in two minutes. Azamat Mirzakoff and Dustin Jacoby would have a good fight. Edson Barbosa would uh, knock out Billy Quarantilla with a nasty knee, putting him out cold uh, two and a half minutes in round number one. And then Max Holloway and Arnold Allen would go at it. I mean, it was competitive. It was a um, very, very, I wouldn't say it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best main event of the year. But, I mean, Arnold Allen showed up, performed better than I think a lot of people thought he would. Gave Max Holloway a run for his money at times. But at the end of the day, typical Max Holloway performance, doing what he does best. This was a blast. And now we get into the top five. And the top five was somewhere, somewhere tough. The the three to five range is kind of where I was debating on where to put stuff, but I kind of assessed where I was for these events, how I felt watching these events, and that is why each one lands where it does. Coming in at number five, one event that I think was Dana White's favorite of the year was UFC Noche going down in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I think it was at the T-Mobile Center. This went down September 16th, headlined by Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko rematching for the Women's Flyweight Championship. This was on UFC, um, this was on uh, Mexican Independence Day, which is why it was called UFC Noche. Uh, Dana White said they'll do this event again next year at the uh, Sphere in Las Vegas, Giant Sphere Stadium. Absolutely crazy. This was a fun one to kick off the night. Um, Josephine Knutson has an intense debut, destroys Marnik Man, 81 significant strikes to 8. Crazy debut for Josephine Knutson. Um, we kick that off 
uh, to get off the card. Then Charlie Campbell would start off our finishes of the night with a round one TKO of Alex Reyes, a dominating win for Charlie Campbell. Tracy Cortez would then get a big win over Jasmine Jasu Davis. We would take a hit where Edgar Chavez would have a standing guillotine choke locked in on Daniel Lacerda. And Lacerda just looked like out of it. He looked like he was just limp. So the ref stopped it and it turned out Lacerda had just been standing like that. In the guillotine choke, he looked limp. Like the ref like touched his arm and it didn't even move. And then he released it and he's fine. It was an awkward scenario. But Roman Kopilov will get us going again with a round two knockout and himself a performance bonus. Lupi Godinez would submit Elise Reed with a rear naked chokehold, absolutely destroying Elise Reed. A knockdown, 21 significant strikes to three and five takedowns and six submission attempts, all in eight minutes and 38 seconds. Wow, incredible. Tal Nelson, Fernando Padilla put on kind of a doozy. Daniel Zalhuber, to kick off the main card, that was just a typical decision win for Kyle Nelson. Daniel Zalhuber would then submit Christios Giagos with an Anaconda choke. Good win for him. Raul Rosas Jr. would have kind of his comeback of the year. I mean, he started off the year good, then kind of lost. But then right here, getting a 54-second TKO of Terrence Mitchell earning himself a performance of night. Jack Del Malena and Kevin Holland would then sadly have a technical fight in the co-main event. Um, Kevin Holland would outstrike Jack Del Malena, but lose the split decision. Very debated. Then, of course, the championship main event between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko ending in a decision, but it was entertaining. It was a competitive good fight. And that's why it lands at number five. Now, the Mexican fans here, I mean, they were just so fun. And it was in Las Vegas, you know. The, they, they showed up. They showed out. And honestly, they made this event so fun. And when you get into it, get into like the oh, Mexican Independence Day spirit, it makes it even more fun. UFC no chance, number five. Coming and clocking it, we'll say. Clocking it, number four, is the UFC Fight Night. Josh Emmett versus Ieto Pira and Jacksonville, Florida. In Jacksonville, Florida, which happened June 24th, 2023. It was a pretty good event. And despite that, it started off with five straight decisions. Oh, my gosh. And even out of the first eight fights, seven decisions. But the main card absolutely redeemed this fight with some of the fights. Um, First off, we start off Cedric Dumas, Cody Brundage, putting on one of the worst fights I've ever seen. Jack Jenkins and Jamal Emmers are competing in a competitive fight. Chepe Mariscal, though, and Trevor Peak should have won fight of the night on this. I mean, if you want to watch an underrated fight, Chepe Mariscal versus Trevor Peak, third fight on the prelims. This was an absolute war. It was Chepe's debut. I thought both of them were going out at some times. This was entertaining. Joshua Van would then step up in the next fight and beat Zalagas Dumalagov on short notice. Joshua Van was only 20 or 21 years old. Incredible stuff from him. Tabitha Ritchie would then beat Jillian Robertson, bumping her up more in the rankings. Matus Rebecca would then get a round two knockout of Loic Radzabov. I mean, crazy. Went from, I don't even think I pronounced Loic's last name right. Um, Randy Brown would then beat Wellington Terman in a technical bout. Neil Magny and Phil Rowe would put on a terrible fight. So boring. But then we kick the main card going with Brendan Allen submitting um, Bruno Silva in round number one. He would drop him with a punch, take his back, and submit him. Brendan Allen's rise in 2023 should be analyzed because it was beautiful. Then, David Onama, Gabriel Santos. Oh my goodness, what a fight. David Onama knocking Gabriel Santos out cold, hits him with a punch, and Gabriel Santos falls flat down in the shadow realm, earns 50K for David Onama. Beautiful. Hit another doozy when Austin laid. I poked Justin Taffa 29 seconds into their bout, sadly ending it shortly. Tough, tough L there. But we got it going right after that in the co-main event because it was Macy Barber versus Amanda Hebus in the co-main event. But um, honestly, it wasn't that bad of a fight. It actually turned out pretty good. 
Macy Barber would end up winning in round number two with a bloody TKO over Hibas. I mean, it was it was just brutal. She was hitting her with elbows, and she was bleeding everywhere, and the ref was like, you know what? Stop this nonsense. A crazy good performance from Macy Barber. And then, to cap off the night, we get a fight of the night as Ia Topura has his breakout performance destroying Josh Emmett through five straight rounds. I mean, a knockdown over him in the final round. 152 significant strikes to 87. Landed three takedowns anywhere this fight went. Ia Topura was on lock. He was not letting anyone get the better of him. I mean, tough L for Josh Emmett. He was bloody. He was beaten. But it was so entertaining. And UFC Jacksonville ended with a bang and did have some bangs along the way. I liked it. Clocking in at number three, our number three UFC Fight Night event of the year was UFC Paris, which went down September 2nd in Paris, France, Ile de France. I don't even know what that means. It must be the province is what it is. Um, headlined by Cyril Gan and Sergei Spivak. Kicked off the night with a eh, Jackwell Cavalcante beating Zara Farm by decision. Eh, nothing much there. Frid Bashrat would submit Cledson Rodriguez in round number one, though, improving to a perfect, what is Farid? A perfect 11-0. Good win for uh, Farid. Um, two decisions, three decisions after that, so nothing too entertaining. I will say Taylor Lapalouse winning from, uh, he was from Paris. The crowd was going crazy for that. But then, as we got into the main card, oh my goodness, this main card was on fire. Kicking it off, Morgan Scherer beats Manolo Zaccini, oh my gosh, with a round one leg kicks. I mean, performance that night to Morgan Scherer, laid into him. He was from France, the crowd was roaring, he was on the mic, absolutely banger right there. William Gomez would then beat fellow, um, what am I trying to say, fellow... Fellow Frenchman, Giannis Gamori, um, hitting him with a body kick in round number three, um, which stopped the fight, actually. Um, Giannis acted like it was to his groin, but it was actually to the gut. It was very close, but William had been winning the fight. He is from France. The crowd was going crazy. They loved it. Then, one of the craziest betting, betting things of the of the year, Volkan Ozdemir, who had never submitted someone before, submits um, debuting fighter Bogdan Guskov with a rear naked choke called in round number one. Crowd was going crazy. Betters, I mean, you would have made so much money if you'd have bet Volkan to win by submission. Following that up, our fight of the night, Benoit Saint-Denis, the Frenchman from Paris, France, destroyed Thiago Moises, a round two TKO, 101 significant strikes to 24, five takedowns for him, just obliterated Thiago Moises, um, Thiago did have some moment, he threw up a submission, but it was a little too, too little, too late. Then, the co-main event, Manon Fiorat beats Rose Nama Yunes to finally move into the top of the flyweight division. She was from France. They were going crazy. It was a good moment. And the card had been moving along pretty nicely. The French fighters had been doing good. Only two had lost so far. And one of them had been fighting a fellow Frenchman. And then Cyril Gan, who had lost to John Jones brutally in March, had, was coming back to look for his redemption. He was taking on Sergei Spivak, who had been on a little three-fight, four-fight win streak. And it was all, you know what? It was up in the air. What was going to happen to Cyril Gan? Could he, could he rebound in front of his Paris crowd? And there's just something about Cyril Gan in Paris, France, his home country, his home nation, that gets him going. He obliterates, just runs through Sergei Spivak. Round two, TKO. Totals from the fight, 109 significant strikes 
to 11, defended any form of takedown. Sergey Spivak threw at him, laid into him. Eventually, the ref was like, this is done for. And Cyril Gon caps off the night with a beautiful TKO win. I mean, this was just amazing. This was just amazing. The crowd was going nuts. And that's what I think really landed this at number three for me is how good the crowd was for this event. Good, good moments for the French fighters. And it lands at number three. And honestly, the 2022 Paris event would probably land much higher for me too if I were to do a ranking of the 2022 events just because of how good that crowd is. All right, we have two events left for the year. Two events left for the year. And landing in at number two, our number two UFC fight night of the year went down in August. August 26th in Kalong, Singapore. UFC Singapore headlined by Max Holloway and the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. An absolutely amazing fight. This whole card was beautiful. Kicking it off, Sung Mu Choi finally getting a win over Jarno Aarons. Had been a while for him. Then J.J. Aldridge, who had never had a finish before the UFC, TKO's Liang Na. Good win for her. Then Billy Goff getting a nasty knockout of Yusaku Kinoshita. Good win for him. Song Kidong would then get a win on home turf against Rolando Bedoya. Michael Olika Jacek would get a performance that night. Round one TKO over Chidi and Chukwani. Garrett Armfield would TKO Toshami Kazami. And Waldo Cortez Acosta would get a round one knockout of Lucas Prezetia. I mean, this was just absolutely insane. We go into the main card. And Junior Taffa, younger brother of Justin Taffa, knocks South Parker Porter in round number one. I mean, the finishes were ridiculous. We had four round one TKOs in a row. And oddly enough, we had two round one TKOs that both ended at the four minute and 16 second mark. Some very, very weird, very weird um, uh, uh, numbers just throughout the year. And that was one of them. I'm um, getting in the main card. Aaron Blanchfield wins a competitive fight against Talia Santos. Rinya Nakamura just obliterates Fern Garcia. Giga Chikadze and Ox Caceres have a close fight. Uh, Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann have a very close fight. Debatable split decision. And then what made this event so amazing. The prelims were amazing on this, but this main event. Max Holloway, Chan Sung Jung. It was the Korean Zombie's final fight of his career. And as he's walking out, the crowd is singing his theme song. Zombie, zombie, zombie. Eh, eh, what's in your head? In your head. Zombie, zombie, zombie. Eh, eh, and oh my gosh, it was it was getting me all hype. And all right. And the fight did not disappoint. All right. Just Max Holloway would have obviously landed big shots on Chan Sung Jung. He would not go out. And then Chan Sung Jung would land one. And it was actually Sting Max Holloway. And there was one moment in round number two where Max dropped Chan Sung Jung. Didn't land up any follow punches. Let him get up. And then Chan Sung Jung landed a big punch of his own. And then as it got to round three, you could tell the Korean zombie. He was just out of it. And he said, you know what? One last stand. One last chance for glory. And he blitzes Max Holloway to start the third round. He's swinging. He was connected with Max. Max was connected with him. And 29 seconds into round number three, Max lands a beautiful punch. Knocks Chan Sung Jung down. Gets the round three KO win to cap it off. But he was all humble. He was all respect. And then as Chan Sung Jung left the ring... You, oh, left the ring, left the octagon. The crowd sang even louder his zombie theme song, and it was just mwah, a perfect way to end his career. Just an incredible send off, and the crowd was just amazing. I absolutely love this main event, and the whole the whole fight overall. I mean, it happened in the morning. I was able to go about the rest of my day after this. It was a very very good time.
I very much enjoyed this one. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to our final, our final event of the year. Our final, not our final event of the year, our final, our number one ranked UFC Fight Night main event of the year. Not main event, event of the year. Gosh, I'm stumbling over my words. And guess what it is? I mean, it was, it was amazing. You just can't get much better than this. UFC Fight Night, Benil Darius versus Armin Tzukrian went down December 2nd, 2023 in Austin, Texas. UFC Austin, the number one fight night of the year. This was absolutely amazing. Kicked off the night with a boring one. All right, typical woman's flyweight event, nothing going on. All right, but you need a little bit of boring to get into the heat. Kicking us off, Jared Gooden, a little comeback rear naked chokehold round to win over Wellington Terman after having previously been down in the first round. Then, following that up, Rodolfo Bellato has a fight of the night comeback KO over Eor Patera after being almost knocked out in round number one. Absolutely crazy. Then, if you want to think about crazy, Drakkar Close slam KO over Joe Selecki in round number one. Absolutely crazy, all right? You want to follow that up? Cody Brundage gets a slam KO win after that over undefeated Zach Reese. It was absolutely crazy. Back-to-back slam KOs. That has never happened and probably will never happen again. Then Misha Tate came to fight, beats Julia Avila, submitting her in round number three. And by the way, Every finish on this card earned a 50k performance bonus. Absolutely amazing. If you think that's good, we round out the prelims with Dustin Stolfus submitting Punaheli Soriano in round number two. Absolutely crazy. Joaquim Silva, Clay Guida, all right, kind of boring, kind of back and forth. But then Sean Brady takes Calvin Gaslam to wrestling school, absolutely destroys him, kind of boring, submits him with the corner in round number three. Then... Following that, Davison Figueredo would get a big win in his bantamweight debut over Rob Font. Very good for Figueredo. Welcome to the new weight class. But then we round out the event with two crazy KOs. Jalen Turner stepping out of short notice to fight Bobby Green. Knocks him out silly in round number one. Oh my gosh. Knocked him out cold. Landed up follow-up punches. He was out on the ground. He kept pounding. The ref wouldn't stop it. Everyone was yelling, stop the fight. Stop the fight. But oh my goodness. Jalen Turner just an absolute dog. Oh my goodness. And we're like, okay. Just had a crazy quick finish KO. Not Don't know what's going to happen after this. And guess what? Armin Tezukrian knocks out Badil Daryush in a minute and four seconds with a beautiful punch to cap off the night. I mean, so many finishes. The crowd was roaring. I was watching with my boys. It was crazy. I loved this event. Actually... I don't think I watched it. I watched this at home because I was at the, my boy's house before they went to their hockey game. And I came back because I was going to go to bars with my buddy. And I was like, okay, I'll just watch this event. And I was in my room going crazy. This was absolutely amazing. This was so hype. It just, it's, it don't get much better than this. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So entertaining. Just um, UFC Austin, one of the best fight nights, one of the best, the better events, one of the better events that I've watched in my career of watching the UFC. And yes, that caps off our list. UFC Austin, the best UFC fight night of the event of the year. Event of the year. Very much enjoyed this one. And that's all I got, folks. That's all I got for the podcast. I noticed we're running almost at the two-hour mark, so I'm going to wrap this up here so we can get the free upload on YouTube so I don't have to go through it. 
upload it again through a different site. So um, thank you all for listening. Um, hit me up, Zach underscore Ruger on Snapchat, Zach Ruger on Instagram, ZR, ZTR2002 on Verdict MMA. You know I'm all the socials, guys. I'll catch you next time on the Surprise Jab Podcast. Thank you, folks. Have a good one.